Oh, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, it's great to have you back since you were so sick last week. Yeah, are you feeling any better? Oh, I'm I'm feeling a lot better. I don't know about you guys, but it's good to be back. Oh, yeah, it must have been it must have sucked being, you know, in bed all that time. Yeah. Of course the uh I mean, it was rough. Uh, the waters were really bad, and the fishing just wasn't that great. I couldn't catch anything out there. Wait, wait. What? I thought you were sick. Did I, did I say that? Uh, obviously, I meant I went fishing. Um, breaking news. RJ O'Connell has been called to the stewards for an investigation into a fishing trip as to why he missed episode 218. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsport 101. You see what happens? I take two weeks out and everybody pours out a beer. Oda takes one week out for a fishing trip and look at the reception he gets. <laughs> love it. You love to see it. Hi everybody, I'm Andre Harrison and welcome to episode 219 of Motorsport 101, the You Played Yourself edition. This should be great. Um, so, with me as always, we have Mr. Ryan Eric King. Hello sir. Uh, hello, hello. I'd like to let everyone know that I did have to change my brake bias multiple times this weekend. Oh, really? Is that why you went so quiet at the end of last week's show? <laughs> no, completely unrelated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, has that been a thing from the start of this year, this year or has it, been, has it been around for longer than that? Um, who's cracking again? Ah, uh, right, that's all the same. Uh, we have Mr. Cam Buckley, hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Oh, uh, I, I'm still I'm still recovering from last week's uh, end of show laughing fit. They needed the Dragon Balls to bring me back. <laughs> Great! Now we can't wish for that giant taco for another year. Great! <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks a bunch, Kevin. Let's go and die on us. I mean, jeez. Um, and returning from his um, <clears throat> fishing trip. RJ O'Connell, hello, sir. If they find that I was playing hooky for my part as editor-in-chief and co-host of Motorsport 101, they should turn down my volume track. Uh, how about not? How about just silences track? That seems like a more appropriate penalty. Sometimes yeah, silence yeah. is golden. It costs you nothing just to keep quiet and not open your mouth. <laughs> this will be a theme of our of our show. I think we should lower his volume level by three. <laughs> yeah, three decibels seems about right. Just 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 for shits and giggles. Um, <laughs> we've okay. We have got an absolutely stacked show this week. Um, we have the Mexican Grand Prix where Max Verstappen did everything in his power not to win the Mexican Grand Prix for the third year in a row, and he succeeded. In fact, he was so successful, Ferrari took notes. Um, so, uh, so, <laughs> as you can tell, it went down really well in this set. Um, all of that, including the great home finish for uh, Cheeky Checo. We have a Mercedes split. Um, and we have Lewis Hamilton coming out of the ground. It, it's uh, it, Trust me, it's uh, it's more exciting than, it, than you think it is. Um, all of that and a whole lot more, including a last of the app the yeet that failed from Daniel Kvyat. Great driving, son. The torpedo was back for one week only. Um, 
We'll be talking about MotoGP at the Australian Grand Prix. Another brilliant race at Phillip Island. In shocking news, Phillip Island once again delivers great motorcycle racing. And after three plus years, it finally happened. A Mark Marquez versus Maverick Vinales fight for the win. Oh. Uh, you say, you, you call it a fight. Hey, hey, well, it lasted until the last lap. I call it playing with your food. Says the Marquez fan. Um, <laughs> oh, I will not hear any of this from you. Look, sometimes your food just falls on the floor. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just slides off down the hill like that, and there's nothing you can do to stop it, unfortunately. But uh, we'll be talking about that. It was a fantastic, well, I want to say fight, but the guys are making it out like it was some sort of a uh, disaster class, a maverick, which it kind of was in the end, but hey, more on that as we talk about it in the show. Mr. Big... down. Oh yeah, um, a big crash between Petrix and Fabio, and a prettier lead in a dry waste. Yes, that what? was actually a thing. A brilliant <laughs> led no. a four-stroke MotoGP race. Yeah, for the first time ever. Um, yeah, more on that later. Trust me, it's as shocking as you think it is. Um, we'll be talking about Moto2 as well. And, of course, for all the shit we gave KTM last week, what did they respond with? A 1-2 finish. Because, of course. Um, <laughs> because, once again, Brad Binder dominates in Phillip Island. Uh, it happened. And, hey, his teammate was there for the fun, too. <laughs> Jorge Martin has come alive at the last minute. And uh, yeah, with Thomas Uti on the podium, it's not quite all over yet for Alex Marquez and the Moto2 title. And we'll be talking about Moto3 and the new Moto3 champion of the world, Lorenzo Dalla Porta, as he took the world title in style with a fantastic win um, over his teammate Marcos Ramirez. So we'll talk all about that as well. And we'll get into an absolutely heaped news section. We'll quickly go over World Superbikes as well, as Jonathan Ray did a triple header in Qatar um, to put the exclamation point on his world title aspirations. And, well, his aspirations already got it, for God's sake. It's his fifth world title. But, yeah, taking um, but taking Bautista's streak for most wins for the season. But, of course, stealing that at the end, so Bautista has nothing to go home with at the end of the year. Fun times. And Randy Krimanaka in what many people would say would be justice prevailing, winning the Supersport title. Um, a shocking IndyCar <coughs> team news announcement as uh, SPM, uh, so should that be now Arrow McLaren SP, the, their new name, unveiled their driver lineup with uh, shocking consequences. Um, and for the first time in a decade and a half, a Sebastian doesn't win the World Rally Championship. No, seriously, it didn't happen. I'm as shocked as you are. Um, so, but a, yeah. But a move yeah. in the driver market might guarantee a Sebastian title next year. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts. <clears throat> but, uh, yes. Um, so, all of that and a whole lot more on episode 219 of Motorsport 101. But places you can find this real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and if you have to find my personal handles you can at harrison 101 hd at c buckley 917 just yank out the vowels at rj o'connell and at ryan eric king that's with two k's if you haven't deactivated his account from all the roasts he took after last week's show um <sighs> I, I just try to acknowledge that that episode just didn't happen i am so drunk right now <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> The only person he acknowledged was Kelly, because Kelly is too wholesome for this world. Um, yes. 
We know this. Trust me, I saw your Twitter likes. Trust me, I know. Um, <laughs> um, of course, if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you early access and access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they go out. Big thanks to Vic, to uh, Steve and to Henry for listening in. As always, much appreciated, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show tonight. And yeah, you can find all of those, all of those details and much more on our website, mattmotorsport101.com. So uh, without further ado, after this quick musical interlude and me changing for a new stick of gum, we'll be back to talk about the 2019 Mexican Grand Prix. And where, you know, a lot of cars go around in a track, drama ensues, and at the end, Lewis Hamilton wins. Seriously, this has been the quite the quietest 10-win season of all time. <laughs> Ah, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. We learned a valuable lesson this past weekend. It costs you nothing just to stay quiet. <laughs> it really doesn't, you know. Oh. It really doesn't. <laughs> Silence is golden, and we quickly found out um, what happens when you when you run your mouth. Let's take it. Let's take it back to quarterfinal on Saturday for a minute here. Q three happens. Max Verstappen sets a stonking lap time, and. Uh, is on provisional pole position with, with seconds to go. Everyone's in the middle of their final runs. Now, Valtteri Bottas ahead of ahead of him on track bins it at the final corner. Um, nasty accident. Thankfully, Valtteri was okay. Um, it's a very narrow wall there. Uh, there's, no, there's not a lot of runoff on that side. Let's put it that way. And uh, yeah, he put it in the wall. Now, normally. Everybody would slow down because it is a yellow flag zone. There was double wave the yellows in that section, according to Sebastian Vettel, who um, talked about it in press conferences after the week, after the, the uh, qualifying session. There was double wave yellows in that area. Now, Max Verstappen deliberately did not slow down through that final corner. Now, you know what you're thinking? There was there's normally lights on that part of the track, which there is. Unfortunately, they were not working because Valtteri's crash. Wrecked the sensors. Yeah, not, Valtteri basically destroyed that whole Marshall post. No, no. So, so yeah. Uh, Botas destroyed the Marshall post. Uh, but Max was still far enough back that he was in an area where it would have shown on his display. And not only that. The only car <laughs> affected by uh, by the post being taken out was the next car behind Botas, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, who was right behind Botas. So wait, if we're concocting conspiracy theories out of this, Botas took out the Marshall's post deliberately to cause Max Verstappen to speed through a double-waved yellow zone, uh, but it also affected Lewis Hamilton. I- I'll get to it at some point, I promise. Look, there is... Mm-hmm. I- I've never seen a wingman quite as dedicated as this. <laughs> that, 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 that takes a lot of effort for the cause right there. <laughs> But uh, yeah, according to Henry in the in the chat as well, he's claiming that uh, um, that uh, 
the display wasn't working on Verstappen's dash doesn't really matter in this case because he could have seen the flags in the section. He should have slowed down. And in fact, there is onboard footage of Max setting his lap where he speeds right past a waving yellow flag. You can't go purple in Sector 3 and lift at the same time. You can't go purple in Sector 3 in a double waved yellow zone. As we have established on the show, slow down and prepare to stop. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that is the literal definition of a double wave yeah. yellow. Be prepared to stop. Yeah, and uh, other drivers did. Vettel was up, I believe, two tenths on his previous time. He lifted off. And yep. it's it was one- other drivers who went through it lifted off. Max didn't. Now, here's the interesting part. Max probably would have gotten away with this, believe it or not. There was no immediate investigation after the session about Verstappen speeding on sector three of that lap, despite the data showing he had gone purple in the final sector. Yeah. He was originally not investigated for yeah, this. Because the thought was that Until... he was he was basically he was in a situation where he would have been past Botas, at least so the FIA thought. So he he would have been in a situation where, yeah, by the letter of the law he broke the rules, but he realistically couldn't have done anything. Until until the press conference on Saturday afternoon after the qualifying session where he straight up admitted to the press that he didn't slow down in that zone. Intentionally did not slow down through that zone. And uh, That's after- a paddling. Ooh, you That's a paddling because the stewards immediately after that press conference called him in for a meeting. Verstappen had to basically admit to the stewards he did not slow down in that section and was then hit with a free place grid penalty for, for basically for ignoring yellow flags. Um, Max, you barnacle head. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> what was the, there was a tweet after the fact. Uh, Verstappen is great at losing Poland, Mexico by small margins. A couple hundreds, a couple hundreds, eight careless words. Shout out to Luke yeah. Smith, the man, the myth, the legend. Because I, I, I do remember hearing that quote on Saturday from him. But uh, yeah, I want to give his, I want to give him full credit. Shout out to Luke Smith; he's a good lad. Um, but yes, Verstappen basically talked himself out of uh, of a pole position. And for anyone trying to play this down like it's no big deal, this is a massive deal. You do not do this. This is this is completely unacceptable. Like like. It sets an almighty dangerous precedent if people are going to start fucking speeding through double-waved yellows. That cannot happen. That absolutely cannot happen. And the last, the last Formula One fatality was a product of doing that. Yeah. And end of. Yeah, and you know it's not directly the same incident, but Anton Hubert only passed a few weeks ago. This is yeah. no time to be compromising on safety. In any way, like that, like, and what especially, people- especially when you've got Bottas's car sitting just a couple feet away from the racing line. Look, yeah, for all we know, it could have been much worse hurt. Thank goodness he did. He was only he, he only came away with just like a slight limp and was fit to drive the race. Look, I don't care what anyone says to me. I think what's even worse is just Verstappen's completely blase attitude about the whole thing. Like it was no big deal. That's disgraceful. Yeah, like he, his consistent, you know, who gives a fuck, it's hard racing attitude, it has no place when we are less than three months removed from a fatality in single-seater racing. Honestly, I, I think Yas has gotten into his head again. 
Look, mm. it, it's it, uh, I, I I can't stand that lazy fair bullshit. It, it's it, it's you're you're playing with people's lives when you do something like that. If a snap if a snapper has a snap of understeer on that final corner, which is a very fast right hander, so it wouldn't be out of the it wouldn't be unthinkable given Bottas wrecked there himself. What the hell are we gonna say then? And what the hell are we gonna say if if it, if it turns out Verstappen didn't lift on the final corner, didn't see, it, and then that happened? We're, we're talking like potential race bans, right? It's disgraceful. It is absolutely disgraceful, and his attitude fucking stinks. As far it, as I'm concerned, no, nothing has happened, so why care? Only nothing happens until it does, and actions like that are exactly how silly, unnecessary crashes happen. And you know what? What's even worse? I don't care how old the man is. This is his fifth season in Formula One. He's got nearly a hundred races to his belt. He should know better. Yeah, this weekend's going to be his hundredth Grand Prix start. Yeah, his hundredth race this weekend. Yeah, he's he's got ninety nine races under his belt already. He's got plenty of experience. He's actually like above the median for races raced in the current grid. Because like more, like less than half the guys in the field have got a hundred races under their belt now. He's actually one of the more experienced names in the field. Amazingly, which is weird to say about a twenty-two-year-old, but but here we are. But you've got ninety-nine races under your belt. You've seen people pass away behind this, behind the wheel of a car of a car similar. And again, Anfon Hubert in Formula Two less than two months ago, and you're deliberately speeding through a double wave yellow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I, I really think that the... And I'll get into this later because uh, Max's race was a fucking mess. Oh, God. But this, oh, God. The, the new mentality around F1 stewarding where, oh, well, let them race. At some point, something has to give. Oh, no. Trust me. I've got another thought about that later on in the race, which I'll get to. Um, because uh, I, I immediately want to call out not only Formula One, but one of its leading journalists about this in a minute. And I'll tell you why. Think back to Monza and you'll see what I mean. Um, but, uh, no, like, it's 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 a, it's a disgrace. Yeah, Max was given a, a free place grid penalty. And honestly... I don't think that was anywhere near harsh enough, to be honest with you. I think. Yeah, and, and Vic just put something in the chat that I will touch on later regarding the change of the powers that be at stewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get that. I'll get into that later. So, as a result of the of the Verstappen's, uh, shall we say, light penalty, um, the grid got a little bit of a reshuffle at the front. Charles Leclerc now inherits the pole position ahead of his teammate Sebastian Vettel. Lewis Hamilton bumps up to the clean side of the grid in third. And then Verstappen starting fourth ahead of Albon on Bottas. Um, and Sainz starting P7, um, the best of the rest award. Uh, who, does, who, doesn't, who, who doesn't love that? So, um, let's get into the race itself. And uh, we had a lot of early drama in this one, to say the least. Um, the grid, like the, the, the run to turn one was spicy enough. Sebastian Vettel boxed in Hamilton really hard. Yeah, he, um, he got in, he tried to get in Leclerc's slipstream. And just did not give a shit where Lewis was. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Shall we say naughty? Um, it oh, was. Boy. It was. It was a naughty one from Seb, but probably not enough to warrant a penalty or anything like that. I'm glad the steward said, you know what, let it go. Both cars were fine. It was a hard defensive move, but as we've established this season, those are probably legal these days. Um, you know. More on that later. <clears throat> 
But, um, yeah, um, Charles Leclerc held the lead through turn one. Um, there was chaos further back um, as... Remember Suzuka a couple weeks ago when we all basically ragged on Leclerc for understeering into turn two and uh, bumping into the car <laughs> oh, yeah. outside him? Well, yeah. um, and Verstappen threw him under the bus for it. Well, guess what happened two weeks later? Verstappen did the exact same thing to Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Max Verstappen just decides, yeah, I see you out there, Lewis. Fuck you. Tries, Look, to, tries to barge him off at turn one, and Lewis Hamilton wasn't having any of it. Yeah, all he was doing was just trying to add more adversity for Lewis Hamilton to overcome and therefore add value to his victory. Still he rises. Still he rises. Shh. Shut um. up, Andrew. Quiet <laughs> down, Andrew Benson. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Verstappen bumped into the side pod of Hamilton's car, damaged his floor. Yeah, pretty decent pretty decent bite taken out of the side of his floor as well. Yeah, he did, absolutely. And uh, on top of that as well, Hamilton came back at him at turn two and pretty much parked his car on the apex and uh, forced, yeah. <laughs> forced Hamilton Verstappen turned off. it right back around on Verstappen. Yeah, Verstappen parked that shit on the apex and ran Verstappen off the road. <laughs> as a countermeasure, Verstappen had to, had, to, had to cut across the grass and drop to, I think, about seventh place. Hamilton was having none of this. You know what I say? An eye for an eye. Quite frankly, um, and uh, that's that's exactly what it was. It's one of my favourite lines from the film Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. It's a doggy dog world, and I've got bigger teeth than you, um, basically. Um, and Hamilton <laughs> ran across the apex, bumped Verstappen off the road. He dropped to about eighth, and uh, yeah, Henry's got a very good point in Discord chat. Hamilton will give you respect if you give it back to him, like. It's why he and Vettel have never had an incident, because they actually respect each other on and off track. Um, Verstappen disrespected him with that side pod nudge, and Hamilton took matters into his own hands. Well, apart from Baku. We don't. <laughs> as Henry points out, yeah, quite ba- right. Baku never happened. Of course it didn't. Yeah. It was a myth. Also, this overshadowed the Ferraris having a little bit of a kiss in the opening laps, too. Just a little bit. Nothing too serious. <laughs> little kiss. Just a little peck, a little smooch, like you're kissing your sister. Um, <laughs> but uh, that carried on for a little bit. Now, Verstappen was trying to make his way back up towards the front of the field, and he actually... Well, this is interesting, because he, he tried... He his lesson. No, because he tried an audacious dive bomb into the stadium section on Valtteri, Got it wrong, and then Valtteri accidentally clipped Verstappen's rear left, rear, sorry, right well, rear tire. It was it was the same thing where Verstappen just opened up the steering, said if you, said you know yield or we crash, and Bottas said, "All right, we're crashing." Like pro- points to Mats for at least trying to make a move there, but that contact easily allowed Valtteri Bottas to get past because it caused a puncture, and by the end of the lap, he was basically riding on a rim back to the pits. That's his chance at ever competing for a podium in this race. Done for. It was, and we'll it, get to it later, where uh, this is having a very much an adverse effect on Verstappen's championship. Yeah, it's it's it was stupid driving from Max. I don't care what you say. You can't pass into that stadium section. The run the run into that corner is far too short. He was never going to make the apex of that corner properly. He was always going to run ride. You've got a one kilometer long home straight, ten seconds down the road. I I don't understand why you're so desperate 
to make a to make a move like that. Probably deep down, you know, you're not going to make stick. And, and uh, we, yeah, and this is not the last. Uh, it's not the last time Max Verstappen was in the wars. We've got a whole fucking. Ch- He's got a. We've got a whole chapter to go through here. Oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, it, it it gets worse. Like I said, Verstappen was effectively out of the running for the win after that one. He dropped to the back of the field and basically went on the hard tire for 65 laps to make it to the end. Um, meanwhile, at the front, the race was settling in. Charles Leclerc came in early for the first of what would be two scheduled stops for him. Um, um, but the race unfolded differently up the front because the other three runners in the big four decided to basically all do a one-stop strategy. Hamilton was first to blink. Remember that. It becomes very important later. Um, but, and as well, um, Leclerc, the reason why Leclerc was put on a two-stop was to try and cover off Albon, who was the first one to pit of the front runners. That's very yeah. true. Albon was a serious threat to get on the podium for much of the early stages of this race. Mm, absolutely. He, he was running with the leading group and in the before the first pit stops. He did drive very well in that portion of the race. Sadly, his pace faded in, on, on the hard tyre later on. But um, a, so- a solid start for Albon, shall we speak? As I said, Ferrari was covering the uh, Ferrari was covering Albon that way. So basically, Leclerc was on a two-stop strategy because there was no way, or Ferrari, in Ferrari's case, there was no way the hard tire, or sorry, they put him on a second set of softs or mediums, I should say. Sorry, you know, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a git in that sense. It, it, it trust me, it becomes important later. <laughs> no, really, seriously, trust me on this one. Um... But in the meantime, <laughs> this is interesting because, like I said, Hamilton came in first of, the, of that big three group. S- Sebastian stuck it out there. I think it was for something like 37 laps. Yeah, he uh, didn't pit until lap 38. Um, yeah, and he out. was, yeah. And, and he, unfortunately, Vettel's, Vettel's attempt to go along was kind of ruined because... While lapping, I believe it was Gasly and Signs. That's true. Gasly and Signs were having their own fight for 12th position. Vettel yeah. is trying to clear them both. As Signs is trying to get out of the way, he accidentally gets into Vettel's way, and that cost him time up the road. Yeah, it cost him a good couple of seconds because Signs tried to get out of the way and go to the inside while Vettel was going to the inside to make the move on him. Yeah, that didn't help either. I mean, to be fair, uh, uh, it, it, it was a heated battle. Um, and it's never easy to yield when you're literally in the middle of fighting themselves. Unfortunately, Signs did like the eye racing cardinal sin of moving off the line as Vettel went for the line to overtake him. No, that was yeah, that that was a that was bad from Carlos, and luckily it didn't end in anything, in anything more than that. But um, that basically that basically killed Vettel's strategy when it comes to uh, going long and trying to maintain the gap to Hamilton behind. But hey, with Leclerc on a two-stop strategy, I'm sure Ferrari will get this one right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Bold put, of you to assume. You, let, let's put it to you this way. I saw them get ready for Charles Leclerc's second stop. Everybody was thinking Leclerc's got one pair of soft tires left for the weekend. This is where you slap a on with 20 to go, right? And then I see them pull out the hard tire, and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> and and it then over. it's like, are they throwing in the towel? It feels like they're throwing in the towel here. And then what happens? The pit stops a botch, so they end up losing four seconds in the pits. And I'm just like, hashtag oh. finger trouble. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God. This was, it was another Ferrari front row lockout. It was another Ferrari strategy special. You could see the pace that Ferrari, the overwhelming Ferrari pace advantage was so great that Mercedes ended up splitting the podium. How, how did they screw the pooch that bad? We ask this every race! Look, honestly, it's getting impressive how many times this happens. How is their, How has their strategy department not been purged like no other purge ever? How? It's, it's, cost no them, it's cost them at least two victories this season, probably at more. Le- they have not lost a pole, thanks to Verstappen's big mouth, since the summer break, and yet they've only won three races. They've been on pole position five out... They've been on pole six out of the last seven races. Don't they have, like, 12 poles this year overall? Something like that. Yeah, Leclerc's going to win the pole trophy at this going rate. Yeah, but and I mean... They may not win another race all year. Yeah, and some of that, of course, is down to the fact that, yeah, the Ferrari's really good in qualifying, but the yeah. Merc is better in the race. But, Ferrari's had a 50% pole rate this year. Yeah, when track position is king with these cars, Ferraris still find a way to blow it. A 50% pole possession rate this season, and Ferrari have three wins. They failed to convert from pole position, I want to say, six times this year. That's not good enough. It's not good enough for a team of their ability. It's unacceptable. And they've botched it again, because, one, you left Sebastian out too long, and two... And in in fairness, that was Sebastian's call. Sebastian yeah, said he wanted to keep going on the tires, but well, he went. Well, the, he he knew the threat was Hamilton, and if you know yeah. the threat is Hamilton, you have to. Ferrari committed; they had to go long. If they weren't going to box after Hamilton came in to keep track position in that one-stop fight and put Valtteri up the front and see what he can do and put him in Seb's position, he had to go long because you've now committed to it, and the only way you get bailed out is if there's a safety car. Ferrari mm-hmm. dug themselves in 20 laps before this was ever really a problem. They committed mm-hmm. to going long, and it did not work. Because by the time we got to the end of the race, Vettel was the faster car. But again, you can't follow in these conditions because the cars overheat too much. And the delta between him and Hamilton's car just wasn't big enough. And, you know, Ooh, so, which, which, sweet, let's address sweet. that. Yeah, this that race was horrible. Yeah. Like, it was a combination of the climatic situation of, you know, Mexico City having such high altitude and everyone having to run pretty much max downforce. That's why Estadio Azteca is one of the toughest places to play, and that's right up the road from here. Yeah, yeah. and it's like it was dirty air city. Everyone was was gasping for downforce and could get none. Filthy air. I heard on the radio there was a 1.8 second delta um, to be able to pass somebody around here this weekend. Vettel was stuck behind Hamilton to the tune of about two and a half seconds for basically the whole final stint. The fact that we had three RS this weekend and it It pretty much did nothing. (laughs) Yeah, because of course at this altitude, DRS is less effective because you're getting less of a net benefit in reducing drag. Because there's less air to reduce the drag from. Which almost makes what happened in the midfield even that more impressive. Yeah, we did get a fair amount of passing in the midfield. But, um, no, 
Hamilton had it in the bag because Ferrari coughed up track position and that is what did them in. The track position was king. They should have responded to Hamilton when he when he blinked first and they didn't and it cost them very dearly indeed. And you know, they should have let Valtteri run long instead and basically let let Valtteri be his usual role of the sacrificial lamb in this scenario. Instead, he pretty much bullied Sebastian into staying out. And mm-hmm. and yeah, Merck's Mercs did him dirty. They basically caught Ferrari with their pants down. Again. And as a result, Lewis Hamilton took his 83rd career victory um, by 1.7 seconds. And, and fun fact, it is his sixth 10-win season on the, like in, in the last seven years, I think it is now. I think it's five out of the last six years. He's had 10 wins a year. Um, it doesn't feel like it, but once again, he is just... He's ridiculous. He's got 363 points with three rounds to go. He's, he might break his own points record by the end of the year again. Um, it's Also keep in mind, uh, Mercedes caught Ferrari with their pants down without Hamilton's primary race engineer, Peter Bonington, present. Yeah, dedicated right. the win to Bono. I think he was back home sick for the weekend. Um, get well soon, Bono. Um I've got a lot of time for Bono. To be Mer- the Mercedes backup strategists are killing Ferrari. Oh my god! <laughs> the backups, <laughs> the reserves. I-, I-, I love that he said to Lewis on the radio after the race. I hope I, I hope I did you justice, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, said like, yeah, you did. You guys did great today, and that was actually quite nice." Um, <laughs> that's uh, so there's a level of humility in that Merck's camp still, which I thought was quite endearing. Um, but yeah, Hamilton winning by 1.7 seconds over Sebastian. Vettel, um, it was 1.7 seconds behind. Again, props to Seb. Drove a great race. Just it just wasn't. It was just wasn't on the table for him this time round. Which is a shame because they should have won. They could have easily had a one-two, and uh, instead it's two and four. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory once again. The Ferrari way. Um, yeah, Valtteri Bottas third in the end. Good drive from him, all things considered. Um, again, not exactly on the optimal strategy, starting from back on the row, back on row three, but did well with what was available for him. Charles Leclerc was fourth in the end, just couldn't get in that dirty air zone. The tyre strategy completely fucked him over, but he got the fastest lap, so a one-point bonus for him. He gets 13 points instead of 12. Alex Albon in fifth, 21 seconds off the top. Not a bad drive from Albon at all, all things considered there, in, fi- no. in, in, in fifth. That was, that was... Remember that. Uh, it, it becomes import- important, it becomes important later. Yeah. Max Verstappen <laughs> very very quietly and very uncontroversially um, came up the field and finished in sixth in the end, a minute and eight off the top, and somehow won driver of the day for driving like a colossal dipshit all weekend. Bullshit. Oh, oh my God. I am officially chalking off the driver of the day stat as an official metric on my end of year reviews. It's it, the award is now meaningless. It is null and void. If, if Verstappen can drive like that and win driver of the day, his fan base can suck my balls. Because huh, we because haven't we gotten what he ha- we haven't gotten to what the other things he was doing on track. You know when he yeah. when he basically ran Magnussen off the road. When he overtook Magnussen off the racing surface and was not even investigated. This stewarding team ain't... ain't, This stewarding team's not very good, folks. Um, They they ain't it. I'm looking in the book of it, and it just ain't in there. And and you know what's funny? This is my call that I was referring to earlier. Remember Monza? Do you remember when Charles Leclerc 
basically ran Hamilton off the track under braking and was given a warning for it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Sky... To be fair, Sky did a great job here, and I will give them credit where they They got Michael Massey out of the director's box and explained the logic behind their decisions, and we got the reveal that teams wanted to let their drivers race and whatnot. This is beyond letting them race. Yeah, like, I understand having that methodology of having, you know, the football-style yellow card, red card, but even in football, there are circumstances that warrant an instant red. King, King, we've not had a yellow card since that happened at Monza. Yep, no warnings, just like, no... So what's the point? And and Buxton, I'm calling you out here because you were waxing lyrical about the use of a yellow card warning system when Leclerc did that to Hamilton. Something I still think Leclerc should have been punished for because you can't run someone off in a braking zone like that. Like, that's extremely dangerous, right? Yeah, and and I want to address anyone who's peddling that... Bullshit narrative that Max Verstappen is so much more mature this year. Let's let's just run down a list. He used Carlos Sainz as a brake in Bahrain and destroyed his race. Mm. He ran into the back of Lewis in Monaco when he had a penalty that went he was not going to win the race anyways. Mm-hmm. He barred Charles out of the way in Austria for the win, which set a terrible precedent that we're still dealing with now. He uh, he was on the curb crashing into Kimi and I believe one of the Ferraris in Monza, uh, not Monza, uh, Spa. The exact same thing he did three years ago, by the way. The exact same thing, and similar to what he did in Bahrain, where he was just, he he dove it up the inside, was on the curb, and just used the outside cars as a brake. That's not racing. If you, if your racecraft consists of, I'm going to put my car here, and if you try to take the turn, we're going to crash, you don't have any fucking racecraft. No. Even Lewis's mean streak with uh, Nico Rosberg running him off a T1, he wasn't this hard with every overtake he made. No, never. You know, running into cars at Monza in turn one, and then well, a sum total of four incidents in Mexico, one of which was just him running his mouth. He isn't any more mature than he was in the past. He just spread it out over the year. He's the same guy he's always been. And, and not only that... The the precedent that was set in Austria now kind of permits his move where, oh, I'm just going to barge you out of the way. That, that's not fucking racecraft. No, it's not. It's it's bullying. And it's it's using your car as a weapon. And I don't I don't appreciate that as a driver whatsoever. Because Ayrton Senna was guilty of this on numerous occasions as well. Even Ayrton Senna eventually knocked it off a little bit. Yeah. When he realized he was losing titles because of it. Because yeah. Max Verstappen, it, since Albon has come into the team, he's losing to Albon to over double-digit points just from, you know, Albon keeping his nose clean. Yeah, Albon doesn't have to be matching Verstappen in qualifying and practice and race pace week in and week in and out. All he has to do is just keep his nose clean. The car will do itself. And yeah. that's just it. Well, by keeping well, Verstappen's by... crashing off into the distance. And that's just it. Purely by keeping his nose clean, he's heavily outscored Verstappen since becoming his teammate. Yeah. And keep in mind, again, we're still only a couple months away from the passing of a Formula 2 driver. Driving like you don't give a shit if there's a crash or not is not it, Chief. Since becoming since becoming teammates, so just, to, just to clarify, Alex Albon has scored 58 points to Max Verstappen's 39. And you consider the pace gulf between them because Albon doesn't have Max's pace. 
No one's claiming mm. that. That's ridiculous. For a number one driver and the most talented driver you've ever had put in your team, according to one Christian Horner, that is not acceptable. Look, results since the summer break. DNF in Belgium. Eighth, third in Singapore, fourth in Sochi, a DNF in Japan, which to be fair, was not his fault, and a sixth in Mexico. He's been mediocre since the break. And it's, it's amazing. It's, in, in fairness with Japan, he just got a taste of his own medicine for what he's been doing to other yeah. people. Look, he's having last season in reverse. Yeah. It's really weird, because last year he was terrible the first half of the season, but then the second half he was the best driver on the planet. This year, he kept that form going, got to Hungary, got to got to Hungary in Germany, one, you know, should, you know, very nearly one in Hungary, one in Germany, got to the break, and was terrible, has been terrible since. For a guy of his calibre... We should be demanding more out of Max Verstappen. And what I find even more disturbing was just how many idiots in my Twitter mentions after saying he drove like a dipshit all weekend on Sunday night was trying to cape for his performance because he went 65 laps on a hard tyre and went and came back up to sixth. Off his own bad driving. Yeah. You, you, don't get a free, you don't get a free pass for getting a great drive when you're the one who ruined your race in the first place. Right. Like, look. If you don't understeer into Hamilton at turn one, you don't damage your car in the first place and put yourself further down the field. And if you don't dive bomb Valtteri Bottas in the stadium section and punch, and as a result have an unfortunate puncture due to the incident, you don't get to claim driver of the day for coming back from your own shortcomings as a driver. It's nonsense. I'd like to go with a quote from the great Rick Mears. The risk has to be worth the reward. It's It's ridiculous. And... I, I I demand better from Verstappen at this point. He's a 99 race veteran. This is a guy who many people think is the best driver on the planet. And if if he is if, if he is this illogical when it comes to defining risk, he is never going to win a world championship. I guarantee you that. You cannot win a world title that way. You just yeah. can't do just, it. Just ask... Uh, but. But but Ayrton Senna won his titles. Yeah, Ayrton Senna lost the 1989 title, winning races, but crashing out all the time because he didn't know where to define risk yet. Ayrton Senna's last three full seasons were his best. Mm-hmm. Precisely. It's and as and as that. not only that, it's, it's a case where Red Bull is... It's like they're aggressively attempting to prevent Verstappen growing up out of this. Yeah, the only he, way he's he, really going to grow up out of this is, is when he inevitably bolts from the team come 2021. <laughs> or he's in a title fight and he loses it because he doesn't know where to define risk. Look look at Lewis Hamilton, who has become arguably the king of defining risk. In 2017 and 2018, when he was in fights with others and he had a big championship lead, he just said, eh, go, go ahead, drive however hard you want. I'm going to take my points. Yeah. And if that's what Verstappen has to beat in a title fight, he's not going to. No, he won't. He absolutely won't. Anyway, rest of the field at this point. Cheeky Checo, seventh place. Best of the rest winner in Mexico. Vamos! Vamos! That car was not deserving of that result. He put in a stellar drive. That was a brilliant drive from Perez. Absolutely brilliant effort. I think 
the power of 80,000 raving Mexican fans was worth about half a second to Checo a lap because that was a phenomenal bit of driving from Checo. Especially uh, defending against a furious Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, he was throwing up blocks like Guillermo Ochoa in the World Cup that one year. (laughs) 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 That's an outstanding reference. Wow. Well played, RJ. Daniel Ricciardo was throwing everything and the kitchen sink at Checo, and he did not budge. Checo was that Technico wrestler in a a trios match who was just winning on roll-ups after losing the first fall. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant stuff from Checo. A brilliant drive. Seventh place from him. Well deserved. Daniel Ricciardo, eighth. Um, He was in the wars. He came back from 13th on the grid. The the newly legal Renault RS19. Imagine, and they still got both cars in the points. Sort of. You'll see what I mean in a second. Quick update on that story since the last time we did the show. Oh yeah, we missed some details because they weren't out yet. Yeah, apparently the self-adjusting brake bio system has been on the car since the second half of 2015. Going back to Romain Grosjean and the last podium for the artist formerly known as the Lotus F1 team. King, get your mans. Vettel got robbed at Spa 2015. This was on a car that scored eight points in the hands of Kevin Madison and Julian Palmer in 2016. Yeah, (laughs) the fact that this wasn't caught basically killed Manor. Yeah. The Formula One team died for this system to live. The same Lotus F1 team that appeared on campaign will take it away. Yes, that Lotus team. That clip has done the rounds on the internet numerous times, but uh, I love that show. <laughs> it's a great show. Um, but yeah, God. Spa 2015. Since then, any car from Endstone has been illegal. Technically, yes, it's a driver aid. It's so bad, it's brilliant. Just, just like the, just like Campe will take it away. Funnily enough, Pierre Gasly was ninth, but he didn't actually cross the line in ninth. Now, allow me to explain quickly, because Nico Hulkenberg finished in tenth, but he crossed the line in eleventh. Reason being is because Daniel Kvyat tried an audacious pass at the last corner, basically the last corner before the, before the um, coming out of the stadium section. He tried a, shall we say, desperate dive bomb attempt at the penultimate corner of the race. Desperate and, uh, doesn't even say half of it. Yeah, punted Hulkenberg straight into the wall. Hulkenberg lost the rear wing. He had to limp over the line. Um, Daniel Kvyat was given a 10-second time penalty after the flag. That dropped Kvyat down to 11th. <coughs> Hulkenberg did cross the line in 11th place, but as a result of the penalty, put him back into 10th. Gasly took both of them and ended up finishing in 9th. Gasly, <laughs> who went through the, almost the entire weekend with a tummy ache and butt problems. Yeah, um, that was a that was a storyline throughout the weekend. Apparently, over fifty people got food poisoning. Apparently, it was a hundred and fifty. Oh my god! <laughs> Apparently, a hundred and fifty people down there got food poisoning. Somewhere, Jeremy Clarkson and James May are actually making lo- actually laughing at their refried beans and cheese joke from Top Gear back in the day. <laughs> no, they just they just went they just went with uh, George Brett down to Kokomo's great little steakhouse in Las Vegas. Oh, oh no. Oh dear, oh dear. It's like Just oh, stra- no. hashtag straight fucking water. <laughs> <laughs> RJ's on fire tonight. But uh yeah, it's it, it's like a repeat of that Mexican race for the border all over again. <laughs> 
I've been to the Mexican embassy. I've apologised. Drunk quite a lot of this tequila. <laughs> but the Mexicans don't know that. <laughs> the references are on fire tonight. <laughs> they really are. Outstanding. I, I will say also, a uh, ger- German submarine taken out by Russian torpedo. Colorized. Oh, yeah. Uh, 11th for Kvyat. Lance Stroll in 12th. Carlos Sainz of Pretty poor day for the McLarens in general in 13th place. Giovinazzi, 14th. Kevin Magnussen, 15th. George, like, George Russell, 16th. Ahead of Romain Grosjean, who was two laps down. Haas were so bad. <laughs> oh, my God. To be fair, William said, we reckon we can beat a Hassel or an Alfa Romeo this weekend. Yeah, Williams brought a new front wing. They brought a new front wing. They were legitimately faster than Haas in the race. Yep. George Russell ahead of Romain Grosjean. Robert Kubica, the last of the finishes in, in 18th place. Two DNFs. Kimi Raikkonen's car had to be withdrawn due to overheating on lap 58. And Nando Norris, who recovered from a, another McLaren botched pit stop. For fuck's sake, boys. Get Finger your sh- trouble. Get your shit McLaren together. Is, McLaren has left so many points on the table with just silly operational errors. And fourth place is not even close to being under yeah, threat. They are, yeah, this race aside, because the McLaren really just looked like a fish out of water up here. But, they re- like, they re- this year, they are so much better than everyone else behind yeah, them, I should say. And they, they should they are, be so much farther ahead. They really should. They should have been dunking on the midfield right now, but they keep blowing it. And that was a double. That was a double donut weekend for McLaren. And yeah, they've, they had, they they've up... had so many of those when like they should be far and away the fourth best team in the constructors. Yeah, they Norris's car kept going, but it was pointless to continue. They was they were they were going to make no gains on last place. They had to they withdrew the car on lap forty eight, and that was the end of it. Championship standings with, well, just three rounds to go now. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, still champion with 363 points. I believe if my maths is right, eighth place with, will win him the championship at, at the Circuit of the Americas. His home track this weekend um, as part of the back-to-back we've got. Eighth place will be enough to win him the title. Oh, yeah, it's back. his... It's his home track now that Mark Marquez moved out. Yeah, yeah you know, Mark- Marquez has fallen. It's Hamilton's land again. Um, but uh, they have the one DNF of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, an eighth place for Hamilton will win him his sixth world championship. Valtteri Bottas, the only man who can stop him, is uh, now 74 points behind in second. Who, you know, driving well. He's probably going to take a comfortable second this year. Um, no one else really has been close. Charles Leclerc in third on 236 points. Sebastian Vettel fourth on 230. Verstappen uh, down to fifth now on 220 outright. Pierre Gasly clinging on to the best of the rest award by one point due to uh, Carlos Sainz dropping to seventh place now of his DNF and Gasly finishing ninth for 77 place 76. They're both being reeled in by Alex Albon, who technically doesn't count for this award anymore because now he's actually in a car that can drive. He's on 74 points in eighth. Um, Sergio Perez in, in ninth. Again, the, Perez's results the last six rounds, apart from the DNF in Singapore, 6th, 7th, 7th, 8th, 7th. Consistent stuff from the racing point. Good stuff to see um, from Checo. Almost as if it took half a year for the stroll money to actually kick in on the car. Yeah, he went 
eight straight rounds without scoring a point. And then he's, he's actually got his shit together the last six rounds after the break. Um, Daniel Ricciardo in 10th on, on 38 points, ahead of Nico Hulkenberg on 35. Constructors, Mercs, well, what, what do you need me to tell you that hasn't already been said? There are 188 points in front of Ferrari. They're on 652, Ferrari's on 466, Red Bull 341, Renault 111, um, Renault seventy three. Um, again, they, they yeah, I don't. Points I don't know if they already have or not, but like fringe points will net Ferrari second in the constructors, thanks to I Red Bull's they, uh, post uh, yeah. post uh, summer break implosion. Let me do the math here. Forty six times three is one hundred and thirty eight. They have a one hundred and twenty five point. So fourteen points for Ferrari in at Cota. If one of their cars is on the podium, they can they they take second. Basically, it's the easiest way of looking at it, um, which will probably happen. So uh, yeah, if a Ferrari's on the podium, they take second. Long story short. Um, Toro Rosso, Rosso and Racing Point now dead level on 64 points in the fight for sixth. And, you know, Renault have not got fifths locked down by any stretch of the imagination just yet. <laughs> on or I, off the track. I was going to say, they might lose yeah. a whole lot more than fifth if someone decides to uh, come knocking at the end of the year. Indeed. Alfa Romeo, who have now gone three rounds without a point in, in eighth place on 35. Haas on 28 still. Again, still that one-point scoring finish um, since since Germany. Good God. They're oh, still on 28 they're so points. bad. And Williams still at the bottom with one. Formula One back this weekend at the Circuit of the Americas, most likely for Lewis Hamilton's coronation and the his sixth world championship. Like I said, eighth, point, eighth place will be enough for him to seal the title because Valtteri can't beat him on count back. Um, Ten race wins to Valtteri's three um, with only three races to go. So eighth will be enough. Um, And you know what? It'll probably be more unless Valtteri wins, which is not looking likely the way things are going at the moment. Um, And yes, Austin, Texas, if a certain head of state decides to show up at your short sporting event as the city of Washington, D.C. has set a precedent, it is okay to boo as loud as you possibly can. Boo the for, fuck out of him, please. Preferably with the chance to lock least. him up for the irony. Yeah, if you go in now and there and you see uh, a certain vice president, please boo the shit out of him. Um, t- lock him I, up hey. like Verstappen's going to lock up into turn one and take you know out what? two do other cars. Do, 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 do me a favor. If this happens, send me a video. I'll give you a shout out on next week's show. <laughs> Tweet at Motorsport101. I want to see some boos. Okay, thanks. After this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about a, a fantastic MotoGP uh, thriller at Phillip Island. What else is new? Finally, some good racing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, everybody. MotoGP at Phillip Island. And trust me, if we seem a little giggly at first, it's because we put the post credit scene in the middle just before we started recording this segment. It'll all make sense <laughs> at the end, I promise. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, like Moses parting the Red Sea, and uh, like, like Jesus has come down from the ceiling itself after years and years of waiting for this to happen... 
we finally got a Mark Marquez v. Maverick Vinales dogfight for the victory. Yeah. Uh, you call it a dogfight. <sighs> I'm trying to be generous here, okay? Where is your spirit here? Yeah. <laughs> Ferrari killed it. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Um, Philip, Re- Philip Island was a crazy weekend. We had a quali- we had a rearranged qualifying session to say the least because uh, the wind really picked up um, during uh, these the, uh, le- the the normal time they were going to run it on uh, Saturday or Saturday morning or Saturday morning our time in Britain. But um, you know, obviously. Their yeah, time yeah. FP uh, was it FP three where it was just windy as fuck. Yep. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it got to the point where there was a huge gust of wind, and going down to turn one, Miguel Oliveira went down <laughs> in a massive way. He was literally blown off the road by. Yeah, he, was, uh, by... he was blown off of the racing line onto the curb and just went straight off. Yeah, this was at 210 miles an hour. Thankfully, Miguel Oliveira was largely okay. You know, some knee pain. Yeah, he was declared unfit for the race, though. Yeah, he, he, he sadly, although he could not race due to his injuries, but luckily nothing serious. Um, and, and previously in the weekend, one Fabio Quattararo had a massive crash, which caused him, I believe, a very swollen... Uh, I believe right ankle. Oof. Yeah. Oof. God. It was. It, it, it was wild. Um, Fabio had a big one. He had to miss FP two, but because uh, he was jacked up on painkillers, basically. Um, but he was able to continue. Thankfully, it was. It was a weekend that was littered with rain and gust. But thankfully, it cleared up for Sunday. We had qualifying on Sunday morning in a. Uh, Shortened, uh, or should I say, tightened up Sunday schedule, and in it, Maverick Vinales destroyed the entire field. <sighs> Absolutely beat them down. Yeah, Maverick had been super fast all weekend. He's always been fast around Phillip Island, to be fair. It's one of his favourite tracks he goes to. And he absolutely crushed the field um, on that one. In Q2, he was on pole by over half a second from Fabio Quattararo and Mark Marquez. A very familiar-looking front row. They are the three fastest dudes in this sport by a country fucking mile. They have now had... they Those three guys have now shared pole 20 races in a row. <sighs> Oh lord! <laughs> they are apocalyptically fast. Yeah, those three guys are stupid quick. But even though third was enough for Mark Marquez to win the BMW M Award for best qualifier, um, he must be getting real sick of having like seven like BMWs in his garage parked up. Seriously, he's won it every single year. He's been in the top flight. <laughs> that seven BMWs parked in his garage, which means fourteen inoperable turn signals. <laughs> <laughs> I very nearly spat out my Pepsi. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Spill my diet soda. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Good Lord. <laughs> so yeah, Maverick, Quattararo, Marquez, Rossi, Petrucci, Crutchlow on row two, Spagaro, Ian Oni, Miller on row three. Served him for the very special silver livery as well. He rolled on the Pramac for this... Uh, uh, for this weekend, very pretty. I like silver liveries. We, we need more of them in, in, in top flat bike racing. Because yes. I remember, I remember the days of Dovi when he made his debut, and he had that beautiful silver machine. Oh, good times, good times. Anyway, enough reminiscing. Onto the race, and we got a pack race for the first half. Who doesn't love one of them? <laughs> 
basically yeah. leading group chaos. Who doesn't love that? How much chaos? This much chaos. An Aprilia led a MotoGP race. For the first time since Jeremy McWilliams in 2000 in the 500cc two-stroke era. Yeah, Aprilia yeah. Never a class race. Yeah, it wasn't called MotoGP yet. Yeah, it was back then. That was the 500cc era, and they still all rate. You still all had to race two strokes. I love that he led for like one corner, and then Cal Crutch though completely swept past him down the home straight, never for- to be seen again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that becomes important later because Honda's straight line speed was re goddamn ridiculous down the front straight. It was even Ducati could do nothing with them. Yeah, because we got we had a, a a very fun pack race in the middle of that. We had we had Crutchlow, Ianoni, Rossi, Vinales, Marquez, um, Jack Miller, Alicia Spagaro was in there on the other yeah, pretty. Both of Joanne... were fighting for the podium. Yeah, yeah, Miller was in there. Joanne Mir was in there. Alex Rins was in there at one point. Um, like like God, it was it was like half the field was in this leading group for the first like eight ten laps. It was... We tuned in for a MotoGP race and a Moto three event broke out. <laughs> it was great. We loved it. And then and then Mar- Marquez and Vinales put their foot down in the second half of the race and completely cleared the field. Yeah, they um, were gone. Those two yeah. were so much faster than everyone else. But we didn't address something that uh, happened uh, on the yeah, first that, lap. That was an enormous crash at turn one. Um, basically, um, the, the, apparently Danilo Petrucci got spooked by Marquez going down the inside of him into Stoner Corner. Um, yeah, yeah, Petrucci tried to hold it around the outside. Marquez went a little bit wide. Petrucci went a little bit wide in response and high-sided in massive fashion. And in the process, cleaned out Quattararo. But it wasn't his bike that cleaned out Quattararo. Petrucci himself hit Quattararo's bike. Yeah. <laughs> he got launched off his own bike and hit his rear wheel, taking out Fabio. Ow, Thank goodness. Ow, 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 um, ow, ow. Yeah. Um, Quattararo re-aggravated his, uh, his right ankle injury, but is generally okay. Both of them are okay, and thank Oof. goodness they're both okay. This was a scary one. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. It was a scary one. Thankfully, both guys walked away from it. Um, we got to the leading group, and we got to the, to, to, the, the penultimate lap, and we found out that Mark Marquez was basically playing possum with Maverick on that no, home We straight. knew before then. Because yeah. every lap for the last, I'd say, maybe 15 laps, after they had cleared the field, Marquez would come out of the final corner, rocket up to Vinales, and then roll out of the throttle. Yeah, this yeah. was Vinales who was trying to chase Marquez on a, on a combination soft-soft compound. And you never want to go soft at the front, folks. Oh God! Because because if you put a soft Michelin front on your uh, a soft Michelin rear on your bike, you are a lot more prone to wheel spin. Um, and remember, we talked about this an hour ago where Maverick lost a lot of time and pace at the end of the race because he was generating more wheel spin and hence burning through his tires quicker. Vinales thought, fuck that logic, I'm going to try and replicate Marquez from 2015 where I'm going to win this race or crash trying. He tried an audacious outside-inside switchback at Lukey Heights over the hill and, oh, that's a high side and down he goes. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah before, yeah, before this had happened, yeah, they go on to the final lap, Marquez opens the taps and just blows by Vinales down the front straight. Yeah. 
that Yamaha is crippingly short on horsepower. Even the Ducatis couldn't live with the Honda in a straight line here, which is yeah. a- astounding. That bike is a rocket. Jesus Christ. Like, like in, in the race, like I think Marquez's top speed was 212 miles an hour? It was the fastest Just- by a few kilometers per hour. Not during the race, but over the weekend, like he was actually quite. In, he was actually in the middle of the. Like he was in the middle of the pack. The highest top end speed for the weekend was Jack Miller, three hundred and forty six kilometers an hour in Q two. Yeah. I make that two hundred and sixteen mile an hour in Queen's English. Yeah. So uh, Big yeah, fast. wild stuff. But Marquez had Marquez had the highest top speed in the race itself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we more, saw yeah. on the final lap just how much Marquez was holding back because. Marquez was on a hard front, I believe soft rear, and every time he dropped back from Vinales, he would just pull the gap right back in a sector. He was playing with his food the whole time. Indeed. Indeed. It is wild. And uh, yeah, Marquez took the win from a despondent and crashed Marquez down the road. And it's been interpretive just how far, just how fast, much faster those two guys were. The next man was 11 seconds down the road. Um, and the next man gave Honda their first 1-2 since, I believe, Japan last year. Cal Crutchlow. Cal! Hey! Cal, nice to see you back up here. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, he's actually, he's actually it's his, his third podium. He was, he was third in Qatar, and he was also third at the Saxon Ring. So, sorry, Cal, I sold you a bit short there. Um, but yeah, he was second, and... He's Jack Miller. Welcome to Jackass. Jack Miller did it at home. Jack Miller third. He beat his teammate over the line by half a tenth to take the last spot on the podium. We should talk Uh, about that. Benyaya fourth. This has been coming for a while. Um, He's been due a really strong round, and this and this was the one. It finally happened. Fourth place for Becca Benyaya. Career high finish. We talked about it before, about how some of his hype has uh, been washed away. I think we bought a little bit too much into, you know, pre-season times and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But but uh, this was a reminder of just how talented last year's Moto2 champion is. A brilliant performance. From him. Just, again, just half a tenth off the podium. And, and for 15th would... on the grid. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant performance. Brilliant performance from Banyaya. Um, where's that been all year? Jesus. Yeah, and uh, Premac, um, Premac Ducati 3-4. Brilliant for the team for the team for the team fight as well. Great road. And shout out to Joe Amir as well in fifth. That's a strong ride from him too. Certainly thoroughly beat his teammate down in ninth as well. So good to see Mir having a great, a great weekend. Probably his best then, in the top flight to date as well. <coughs> I'm a career high finish for Mir as well in fifth, and and for all the shit I gave him last week, Andrea Iannone in sixth place, a pretty as best result since coming back. <laughs> and again, well he done, led Andrea. This race. Andrea Iannone led this race. Please get really more trashy isn't. tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Please get a butterfly where the tramp stamp is meant to be, because clearly it's working. Like seriously, what, oh my we don't, lord! They and Aprilia beat both factory Ducatis. To be fair, one factory Ducati was in many pieces after T1. That's you his own fault. A, you just gave a proposal that is like create catered content for friend of the show Hazel Southwell. <laughs> <laughs> filth, pure filth. <laughs> yeah, beat beat Davizioso in seventh over the line by fourteen thousandths of a second. 
See? Told you. Told you Ducati dropped the wrong man. And uh, this is with Aprilia <laughs> having... Oh my god, RJ. This is with Aprilia having a crippling lack of straight line speed. Yeah. You think the Yamaha was bad in a straight line? Ha! Oh god. Yeah, very, very much true. Dovi was 7th, Valentino Rossi down in 8th in the end. Um, Alex Rins, ninth. Alicia Spagaro, so both are pretty as in the top 10. Great result for them. Frankie Morbidelli in 11th. Polar Spagaro, 12th on the KTM. Johan Zarco, we're making his, making his return to MotoGP on the LCR Honda. 13th. Not Ch- bad at all, to be fair. King was <laughs> deeply invested in that battle during the race. <laughs> I really oh, yeah. Was. <laughs> it's like. That man cannot beat my man. Otherwise, yep. there's going. <laughs> it's a man civil war in the King household right now. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Does uh, Ryan Eric King? Does he just take a page out of the Skip Babel's playbook and refer to him as number five for the rest of the year? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that many. No. Oh, I'll tell you who was though. Did you like? I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, right? But uh, there was a press conference after the race, and. Uh, one of the journalists asked Mark Marquez, how do you think Johan Zarco got on um, for his first race? And Marquez was very diplomatic in his response. He said, yeah, you know, he, he did well, but obviously you want to see a few more races and see where he's at and see where the consistency is. And, you know, he needs a bit more time to see where he's at. And uh, then in the background, the man in the finished in third, Jack Miller shouts, but he did better than Jorge. Um, oh. <laughs> Now, missiles, a lot of them, nah, we're past shots fired. That's missiles launched. Now, like I was gonna say, a lot of Lorenzo's fans got petty saying how many how many world titles has Jack Miller won. My response to that was, you forget Lorenzo tried to put that man out of a job earlier this year. Um, yeah, so, Miller's allowed a couple of those. Yeah, no, no, no. Miller's allowed to dunk on him. So one more time, everybody. He's Jack Miller. Welcome to Jackass. <laughs> no, 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 no. We love Jack Miller on this show. <laughs> we, I love that bastard. He's great. Um, Karen Abraham, 14th. Hafiz Sire in 15th. And Jorge Lorenzo, the last of the runners across the line in 16th place. And uh, might I add, Sorry. 66 seconds off of his teammate on the winning bike. Christ. If only it was this, another this, three seconds back. That wouldn't have been he was, too nice. He, uh, he was three quarters of a lap down that in a 27-lap race. The man who holds the all-time lap record at this same track cannot finish ju- within a minute of the race leader on the same bike. I've just done. I've just done the math. He was one point four seconds a lap slower than Marquez. Jeez, that's unsustainable. How? Honestly, I like. I I don't dislike Jorge as much as a lot of people do on the internet. How on earth can you justify keeping him for next year? He's an anchor. Like. It, He's it, not going to magically become a second and a half a lap faster overnight. Yeah, and Honda isn't going to fix all the problems with that bike's front end, and that's what Lorenzo needs. Indeed. Oh dear, it's a, it's a sad tale. As mentioned, three DNFs, Maverick Vinales, oh, sorry, technically five DNFs, Maverick Vinales upside down in the bottom of Luki Heights. Mika Calio um, crashed three laps from the end. Tito Rabat um, ha- um, withdrew, I believe, um, he- early on, and Fabio Quattararo and the Petrucci did not make the final lap. First. Championships... Ch- championships... <clears throat> yeah, thanks, sorry, first lap. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, championship standings... Look, Marquez has 375 points. He's got a 135-point lead over Andrea De Vizzi. This is this is humiliation. He is. This point. He is. Okay. Spoiler. 
Remember how we talked about how Honda's trying for the Triple Crown, but because they've only got one rider in it, they're probably not going to win the team's title? With this result, Marquez closed it to one point. Yep. Repsol Honda are one point behind Ducati. One. With one rider. Effectively, yeah. One rider. Jesus Christ. 375 points. He's 135 ahead of the Vizioso. Dovi wrapped up second in the championship with his... Um, his seventh place finish, so he's guaranteed to finish second for the third year in a row. Alex Rins is uh, up to third. Um, basically, he's broken the tie with Maverick, because Maverick DNF'd. So he's now third on 183 points. Danilo, fourth on 169. Nice. nice. Thank you. Fabio Cotterro on 163. Valentino Rossi on 153. Miller... Like Miller um, in 8th on 141, Crutchlow in ninth now on 133, and Frankie Morbidelli rounding off the top 10 on 105. As I mentioned before, the all-time MotoGP points record is 383 points. Marquez is one round away from breaking it. He, all he needs is eight points over the last two rounds to break the all-time record. The man the is grinding every record into dust. He wants it. it. A 400-point season is on. And you know what? If he wins at Sepang, it'll be 400 points in the same number of rounds that Lorenzo had when he broke the record in, in 2010. Jesus. And it's... this is with a DNF. <laughs> with a DNF at Kota. <laughs> Where he was leading by ridiculous. five seconds and the bike shot the bed. We are witnessing one of we are witnessing arguably the greatest top flight season in the history of in, in, in this, the history of MotoGP. This is, this is ridiculous. I saw it compared to Rossi's 2003 on the Honda. This is probably it, better, and that is ridiculous. The combined losing margins of all his second places is like four seconds, and three and a half of them came in Aston. This is this. this we we say cannot, it every week. It, we say I, it every week, I, I, and he, we find we have to find new superlatives to refer to him with. It's he is a monster. There is no, there, there, he is an absolute terror. There is nothing... Well, I've never seen anything like him in motorsport on a top-flight series like this. This is ridiculous. It uh, you is got the, absolutely you got the depth ridiculous. of talent that you have right now. We know that Maverick Vinales is apocalyptically fast. And he absolutely. was playing He was playing with Vinales for the, sol- the whole second half of the race. Yeah, he completely cock-teased him. And I hope... And a shout out to Fran Wild who pointed this out on Twitter. She's one of the MotoGP social media editors and made the point. I hope this unlocks the last piece of the puzzle for Maverick because he's going to be mad as hell. He binned it on on the penultimate corner. Well, he said as well. Uh, he he basically said, "I'd rather I'd rather crash than finish second. That's yeah. kind of the mentality you have to have when you're fighting Marquez. Well, that's it. If you're gonna beat Marquez, you have to. You have to. You have to take every gamble. And, and you know what? He, he bullied Maverick into a mistake. There's there's no other way of looking at it. But like I said, I hope Maverick bounces back because he is he is stupid fast when he wants to be. And like, I would love to see nothing more than Mark Marquez, Maverick Vinales, and Fabio Quartararo battle for a world title with three different teams. That could be very spicy, um, and that would be fun. What? Do not deny me fun things, Maverick. Do not deny me fun things. As mentioned, Ducati, 409 points in the team championship. Repsol Honda, 408. Amazing. <laughs> there is an outside chance Repsol Honda will, tri- will take the Triple Crown with Marquez effectively on his own. I, 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 
I have no words, quite frankly. Moto2 and good news, King. Your man's first and second. A 1-2 finish. They get a 1-2 in the category they're going to leave at the end of the season. That is... Even that your 1-2's a bit sweet. <laughs> that is KTM in a nutshell. You got a 1-2. Yeah, we're leaving. We're leaving. Bye. <laughs> it's t- o- o- only KTM. Only KTM. As soon as they're leaving, one and two. And what has happened to Jorge Martin the last three rounds where he's suddenly come alive? It's beautiful. Just yeah, I have no clue where, it's, where, where that pace came from. <laughs> I think it's the, the whole, we need to stop Marcus. It's like, ever since Thailand, he's been a rocket ship. I don't understand it. But, um, hey, I don't have to answer any questions. Brad Binder, Lord Binder, should we say. Uh, and the nicest man in bike racing, uh, winning in Philip Island in Moto2. It was a pretty box standard Moto2 race, unfortunately. Jorge Martin was second. Thomas Luti, though, finishing third. The gatekeeper's making a late charge at the title with another podium finish. Jorge Navarro, fourth. Lorenzo Balazari, fifth. Remy Garner back in the top end with, with a sixth place finish for him on the SAG team. Ike Laquona, seventh. Alex Marquez down in eighth. Hmm. Stefano Manzi in 9th, Suzuki Nagashima 10th, Marcel Schrotter 11th, Nicola Budiga 12th, Fiasco Raffin 13th, DJ Antonio 14th, and Bo Ben Schneider rounding off the points in 15th place. On that one, there was also quite a nasty first lap crash at the hairpin between Luca Marini and Marco Bezzecchi. Amazingly, I've never seen two guys like have a crash and then immediately hug each other. Um, they are the best of mates, which uh, which is understandable because I, I think it was uh, I think it was Marini that fell on his own and then just collected Bezzecchi on the way through. There was nothing anybody could have done about it. Just one of those incidents, and Marini was extremely apologetic afterwards. Poor fella. Um, even more amazing, Luca Marini is Valentino Rossin's half brother. <laughs> I you never know. knew. Thank you for educating us. Who would have ever now, guessed? Now, are we getting a Johan Zarco 2016 situation here? Because like Alex Marquez's championship lead is getting chipped away piece by piece. The gap is down to 28 points. I um, think, and uh, I, I just think he's trying to. He knows that if he just finishes. He can get it home. Yeah, but he needs to be careful. He He needs to be very careful. Because if he puts it on the floor, and if Ludi or Bender win the race, all of a sudden, this thing is wide open going to Valencia. There is still four men who can win the title, mathematically speaking. Fernandez is 50 points away, but won't be able to beat Marquez on countback, so he's out. Um, It's it's actually... No, take that... How many second places have they both got? Uh... Fernandez doesn't have a second place this year. Alex Marquez has one. So no, Fernandez is out of the running. Um, he would lose on countback. On, on he would he would lose on a second level countback because there's no he's he's had he's had no second places this season. Marquez has one in Austria. Um, so yeah, Fernandez is out of the running. It's a four way title fight now between Alex Marquez, Thomas Luti, Brad Binder, and Jorge Navarro. Marquez has a 28 point lead with two rounds to go. A win. At Sepang, and he's champion. Somehow, I don't think he's going to do that. I, I yeah. fear he's going. I fear we're getting Danny Kent 2.0 here, where he's going to try and home. He's going to try and basically ride as conservatively as possible, Bruh. not well, getting a title fight, and it'll go to the finale at Valencia. No, now you've got me worried that Alex Marquez is going to pull a knife on somebody. 
Oh no. <laughs> no, no, not like that. I'm talking about when Miguel Oliveira nearly beat him to the Moto 3 oh, title okay. three, three years ago. No, not that one. But uh, I, I, I fear Marquez is riding a bit too conservatively because he's, his performances have not been great the last three rounds. The, conservatively? The, Excuse me. To say the least. The final, the final corner at Motegi would like a word. Well, he nearly binned it, okay? I mean, that's hardly a good thing, is Man it? Man was in the... <laughs> like... Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that yet. Go on. You know, the save that completely overshadowed Alex's save last week. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> fun time, fun times. Uh, no, like I said, like... I, I'm not so much a threat about Luti in second. I'm looking at Brad Binder in third. Binder's the hot hand. First, second, and, and a win in the last... Like, two wins and a second in the last four rounds. He's 33 back with two to play. If you can take another decent chunk out of Marquez at Sepang this weekend... Hmm. Marquez needs better be- than the, you know, the fringe points he's been getting. Yeah, a, a win would seal the deal at Sepang. I don't think he's going to win. Like, he, he's not looked like he's been able to win since that hot streak he had in the middle of the year. It's been such a streaky Moto2 season where everyone's gotten hot at different times. And and uh, it looks like Marquez is running the middle of the year when he had five wins out of six between Le Mans and Bruno. Might end up winning in the title. Almost by default. It's really weird. As mentioned, Marquez, 242 points. Thomas Lutie, 28 back on 214. Brad Binder, 33 back on 209. And Jorge Navarro with an outside chance on 199. He's 43 points back. Those are the four men eligible. As mentioned, a win for Marquez at Sepang will guarantee him his second world title. We forget you won that one in 2014. Yep. Um... <laughs> That Moto3 title, that one, yeah, that one. Um, Moto3, and we have a new Moto3 world champion, Lorenzo Dallaporta, sealing the deal in style with a slipstream win on the line ahead of his teammate, Marcos Ramirez. Um, t- can't say I'm entirely surprised. Um, unfortunately, Aaron Canet fell again. Um, in a, I think this time it was on his own. I want to say I think it was on his own this time round yeah. where he, where he where he binned it and uh, he canned it. Uh, he canned it and effectively oh, mm. um, and effectively handed the title to Dalla Porta on a plate. But Dalla Porta won it in style with a win over his teammate Leopard. One two finish ahead of Marcos Ramirez. Albert Arenas third. Tatsuki Suzuki in fourth. John McPhee in fifth. Darren Binder in 6th, Aibu Suzaki in 7th, and hey, here's this for a surprise, Tom Famous in 8th place. Um, the much-hyped, or as I call it, the world's fastest Moto3 AI for some weird reason in MotoGP19, the video game. Don't ask me why that's ever a thing. But uh, yeah, Tom Famous in 8th. <laughs> Yay for great British hype. Keep you and pull your trousers up. Um, Tony Arbolino um, in ninth. Stefano Nepa in 10th, and Dennis Foggia, 11th, from Fanati, 12th, Lopez, 13th, Iagura, 14th, and Jumpman Corn, five rounds off the points, in 15th place. But congratulations to Lorenzo Dallaporta. He's has a seven, all of a sudden, a 72-point lead in the Moto3 Championship with two rounds to go. And we all know why. Since Carrots win at Aragon, DNF, 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 Lorenzo Dallaporta, second, first, first. 
That'll do it. Way to take advantage of the situation. That'll do it, everybody. A 70-point swing in the last three rounds ended the world title hopes of Aaron Canet very quickly. Canet won't be crying for too long. He'll be with the uh, Angel Nieto team in Moto2 next year, taking Jake Dixon's seat. But Dana Porter, world champion, 254 points with two rounds to go. Canet still second on 182. And Tony Arbolino in third on 168. And all of a sudden, Marcos Ramirez has snuck up to fourth place on 164 points. Um... Still, Ramirez have an outside chance of a top three finish in the title race. Leopard one and three. Mm. Mm. That could be fun. But uh, all round, ignore the Moto2 race. Great weekend of MotoGP racing all round. Philip Island n- almost never disappoints. And this weekend was no exception. Can we just run the Brilliant. whole season here? Why not? <laughs> Have a week, like, make, make it like a speedway calendar. Just, just run the same weekend that Phillip Island 18 times over. I'll be down. Can you just build a bunch of Phillip Islands like, yeah, around not? the world? Just take Phillip Island and push it somewhere else. I mean, it works so great for NASCAR building a bunch of Charlotte Motor Speedways everywhere, right? Right? <laughs> uh, Sounds good, yo. Sounds good. Did someone say dirty air? No, what I will say is commercial break. We'll, we'll have a we'll have a musical interlude, and we'll be back to talk about World Superbikes and the rest of the news. It's, it, trust me, it gets even spicier. Oh no. <laughs> The news, everybody. And we'll talk World Superbikes first of all. We'll get it out of the way quick because it wasn't an awful lot to take away from this weekend. Apart from Jonathan Ray beating them down with a triple victory um, under the lights in Qatar. Um, it's just completely destroyed the field in, in um, pole and all three race victories. Two, the two rounds and the Super Pole race. A complete domination. Uh, Chaz Davies was second in races one and two. Bautista was second in the Super Pole race. Lowe's had a couple of podiums in, ra- in race one and the Super Pole race as well. Um, he had a fourth as well in race two. Um, not much to really say on that one. Besides, the other big takeaway was uh, Alex Lowe's as well, taking third in the championship as well um, from Michael Vandermark in fourth and Top Rasgatioglu in fifth. I'll give a quick final championship rundown very briefly as well in a minute. But uh, shout out as well to Randy Krimenacker, who won the World Super Sport title. Some would say some justice has been served after his slow engine drama we had in Argentina a couple of weeks prior. But uh, Krimenacker did hold on um, by just six points in the end. He let his teammate do all the hard work for him. All he had to do was follow him home, and that's exactly what he did. Lucas Mahias wins his second race in the last three for Kawasaki. It's refreshing not to see a Yamaha win a Super Sport race, for God's sake. Uh, Basically, Yes, um, Lucas Mahias, the man with his own rule. The man with his own rule takes a win and then shaved his race director's head as a celebration. Just Lucas Mahias things, everybody. He's fun. <laughs> He's just, fun. You just had to make sure he did it within five minutes or else the uh. shaving <laughs> Oh, no. Outstanding. Outstanding work. 
Like I said, Lucas Mahias in uh, taking the win ahead of uh, Jules Clazel in second, who tried again to win a World Super Bowl title and came up 13 points short. God damn it, it's never going to happen for Clazel, is it? It's, it's, it makes me sad. Um, yeah, Isaac Vinales on the podium in third, his third straight to end the year. Federico Caracasulo in fourth, ahead of his teammate Randy Krumanaka, but it did not matter because Krumanaka wins the world title by six points over his teammates. Um, and Jules Cazelle finishing third on 200 points. Um, so congrats to the Krimanaka. We all like pink title celebrations like Lucas did last year. They're always fun. Congrats congrats to the, the field getting Krimanaka'd. Um, the final World Superbike Championship standings, Jonathan Ray, 663 points. He finished 165 ahead of a man that won 16 races this season. That's what consistency will get you, kids. Ray went the whole season in the top five. He did not have a single DNF this year, and he was only off the podium three times. One race was the the race he crashed at the Super Bowl race in Masano, where he, he ended up rolling over and finishing fifth. The other two times he was demoted to fourth in in race one at Hereford. He had and he bumped Alex Lowe's off the apex in the Rossi Gibbonow-esque move, and he was fourth in the Super Bowl race that weekend. It's the one bad round Jonathan really had, to be honest with you. Um, every other race he was first, second, or third, and he was only third once, and that was Assen race two. My God, 17 wins, and I want to say 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 second places. You don't beat that. You just don't. It's, it's, yeah, you it's, don't. It's, it's, no. it, it was, like I said, a 165-point championship win over Alvaro Bautista, a man who won 16 races of his own this year, including the first 11. Um, but... Uh, only three wins since... Actually, only five wins since then. He finished second on 498 points. And there was actually quite a close fight in the end between, like I said, the two Yamahas and Top Rack in the fight for the bronze medal in third. Alex Lowe's won that fight with a very solid final weekend, the third, third, and fourth. He would take third with 341 points. As mentioned, to be going to Kawasaki next year to be Jonathan Ray's teammate. Should be fun. Uh, uh, Michael Vandermark in fourth on 327, and then Top Rack in fifth. Was unlucky. He was really done in by finishing 11th in race one, and then having to retire in the Super Bowl race due to electrical problems. He never even took the start in that race, unfortunately. And that did him in when it, when it came to uh, any chance of finishing third. He was fifth in race two. He was on 315 points in fifth. I'll, I'll go through the top ten just to round it off. Chaz Davis in sixth on 294. Leon Haslam in seventh. Um, he's on 281. Strong rumours he's going to Pachetti next year. He's going to be on a satellite Kawasaki, apparently just to keep him for the eight hours. Mm-hmm. There's a fun thought there for you. Um, um, Tom Sykes in eighth on 281. A very solid year for Sykes on that BMW, I have to say. Uh, quite a few podiums in there as well. I'm skipping one, Loris Baz. Loris Baz only started the year at Haref and finished 10th on 138 points. Well done, Loris Baz, by the way. That's a great mm. season for him. And I skipped one because we had to say goodbye to Marco Melandri, who this was his final race. Sadly, not a great weekend. He, he, had, he finished out of the points in his final race in Qatar in 17th. But... Uh, a salute to one of Bike Racing's finest entertainers. Um, 
a top flight uh, runner-up in MotoGP. Um, I think 20 race wins in World Superbikes as well. A incredibly talented, entertaining man, full of character and personality. Bike racing is going to be a bit less fun with him around. Um, a, a 250cc world champion as well in 2002. A salute to Marco Melandri. Happy retirement, sir. And I still love the fact that his missus is like eight inches taller than him. It never stops being funny. <laughs> <laughs> salute, Marco. We'll always have Philip Island 2006. <laughs> the best celebration ever. <laughs> oh, it's pornographic. Also, I've wanted to mention this. Like, Cam, like, like, Cam, yeah, I touched on it for, for just this. a second before. Yeah. yeah. Dominique Agata basically going full Travis Pastrana and doing, <laughs> like, a hangman off his Moto 2 bike and not falling off. <laughs> How the fuck did he do that? <laughs> um, I, I will Ooh. quote, I will quote uh, the commentary from last week, or for, what was it last week with the Marquez save? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a massive crush. At, uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite know how he did that, but he did. Shout out to shout out to Dominique Agata, everybody. And that's World Superbikes 2019 for you. A long story short, Batista won the first half, Jonathan beat him down in the second half. Fun times for all involved. Into the news And uh Oh Lord, this is gonna this is gonna split some people. Huh, should I should I should I go into this one for you for your own Should uh, should we all get the deck chairs and the warm socket? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um it had been brewing it for a while that because of largely blamed due to management at Aero Electronics not being happy with James Hinchcliffe's appearance in the ESPN body issue, that the team now known as Aero McLaren SP Racing have been trying to push James Hinchcliffe out the door as hard as they possibly could. Looks like Hinchcliffe's place with the team would be set. Until recently, when a former Red Bull Junior Patricia Award was handed a lifeline. A lifeline that could see him land a potential top flight IndyCar drive. We now know what that drive is. For 2020! Patricio Award, your 2018 Indy Lights champion, paired with your 2019 Indy Lights champion, Oliver Askew, Arrow SP have cleared the decks with McLaren. James Hinchcliffe is now the hottest free agent on the market. In a season where 90% of the grid is already confirmed. Yeah, because it's uh, almost November. Yeah, and the only uh, the only seats left you could possibly get are basically if teams open up third cars to add him in, which is possible because Honda is willing to back up the Brinks truck. Specifically Honda of Canada, who did not want to lose, who dreaded the possibility of James Hinchcliffe having to go drive for Chevrolet. Yeah, and, and for those for those who don't live in the U.S., he is kind of the face of Honda racing in the United States in their advertisements. They, for some reason, it's, it's Hinch and not Rossi, but yeah popularity contest apparently according to david Mulsher at motorsport.com hinchcliffe as recently as two years as two weeks ago were adamant that hinchcliffe was just going to drive for the team he was going to break it off with honda and drive for chevy he was loyal to the team nothing changed from hinchcliffe's end according to them and now we're hearing stories from places like jenna fryer which, which again i would say take with a pinch of salt because it's her um now claiming that Hinch has basically been done dirty 
that yeah. you know he was willing, he was willing one, to break. Yeah, Jenna was the one who first reported this tension between Arrow over Hinch being in the body issue to begin with. Yeah, and she got that quote from Zach Brown saying that Hinch was going to be at the tea. And technically, Hinch still is because uh, he's still under contract with them. I don't he's think still he's still on the payroll. S- yeah, I, but I don't think he's going to sit out the year. I don't think he's just going to sit at home. He's too there. much of a racer to sit home and collect the check, no, like you say. No, apparently he's all over the phone right now trying yeah, to get him full time right Unfortunately for, for him, perhaps his best option, which would be to get a third uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan seat, well, Honda is willing to back up that money truck. But Petro Which, Canada sponsors Hinch. And Totofino Elf sponsors Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan. Can you say conflict of interest? We'll see how I this one develops. So. Could you just imagine, though, the banter with Dre? With Dre knowing that his boy and his other boy are in the same team. I know, right? It, 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 look, I've not spoken about this very much because I'm a little... Obviously, I'm... I'm 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 devastated. Friend of the show, Zoe Hamilton, uh, was very consoling via text message when she found out the news. Um, I'm gutted for Hinch because I I don't like how the internet suddenly wants to go, oh, Hinch is just another Clint Boyer. He's just another midfielder, you know. The team wants to be successful. And, you know, this is what they're doing. I mean... To some extent, they're not wrong. <laughs> no, no. Look, 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 I'm not. Look, I'm not denying this, right? Hinchcliffe is probably not going to win you a title, and when you're a middle of the road team like Schmidt Peterson is, that are probably thinking of bigger things. The only way you're going to beat them is on talent. We saw it, with, for example, with Colton Herter this season. Yeah, Colton Herter was yeah. what changed the entire dynamic. He was. And mm. exceptionally good rookie right out of the box. I as mean, a team. you don't even have to like bring up Colton Herta. You could just look at the other Swede that wasn't at Smith Peterson, like Felix Rosenquist, just getting someone experienced, uh, not necessarily an IndyCar, but someone from the outside that's experienced the single seaters to come in uh, and that's willing to dedicate themselves to IndyCar and just be successful out of the box. And before them. What about Robert Wickens? Robert Wickens, who tied Hinchcliffe on points last year, despite missing the last three races. Yeah, it didn't help when Hinch got bumped. Um, At the same time, though, Hinch was far and away their best driver in her most recent season. And uh, Schmidt-Peterson hasn't been very good. Yeah. The issues with that team run deeper than their driving talents. We all know that. Robert Wickens was, ex- was exceptional last year. They got the a total, and they were three podiums, fair enough, but three top five results for the entirety of last year, one of which was technically a shank car with uh, yeah. SPM support. Look, I get it. Hinch is a very popular midfielder. I get he's an upper midfielder level time. Like he's a, he's he's. A, I don't think he's had a full season come together for him in the last two or three years. Robert Wickens being so good out of the box certainly didn't help. Two either. or three years, he hasn't finished in the top ten in the championship in the past six years. But that's fine. He's still going to score you a number of podiums and top fives and top tens. He'll win a race every year. And I think his he, wins. he gets yeah. one podium a year. His championship like, window has shut. I get that, but there are far worse options that you can get. 
out in the open market right now. Uh, and, are, and are we sure that Oliver Rescue is the guy and you're giving him a full season out of the box? I think my biggest... We know how ruthless the business side of motorsport can be. Es- sorry, especially when Indy Lights is a series of eight full-time runners right now. Mm-hmm. But the well, top two or uh, three in the championship every year are always upper top-shelf talent. Yeah. But, yeah. but my, my thing is, like, mm. you... We know how ruthless the business side of racing is. We know that sometimes things that aren't in control of the driver on track can influence the decision to retain them. Nobody knows that better than Patricio Award, who just who had a, a full time ride and got hosed because of the obligatory fuck Mike Harding. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, and Power Award got sacked off from the Red Bull Driver Academy because Red Bull were too late to figure out that this series didn't count for super license points. Yeah, because Red Bull are idiots. But the fact that oh. apparently Arrow was willing to to kick down any door possible, and until until he was released from his Red Bull contract supposedly willing to write basically a blank check to Red Bull to get Pato and Boot Hinch over a body issue? Look, we're not having this conversation if Hinch doesn't do the body issue. So what's the point of getting all high and mighty now about, oh, you've got to take these young boys. You don't take one of them. You don't take one of those young boys. I don't think we'd be having this conversation if they didn't sign the deal with McLaren. Mm. That's also a good point. Yeah, I think McLaren just wants to sweep the decks for the sweep, sake of sweeping the decks, and that's fine. My hope is that you give Patricia Ward and Oliver Askew the setups and the people behind them that they need, because at their best, they could they could both finish top twelve in the standings on their rookie years. Yeah, and keep this. And for anyone thinking, this is not Pato and Askew's fault. No, no. Uh, and don't don't go after them for you know. They're young drivers who just got a huge opportunity. But it's the fact that they're basically leaving Hinch with very little options to get a ride next year in IndyCar. It's either going to be a third Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car, or let's say the checks run out for Ferrucci, or Bourdais decides to retire from IndyCar and a coin seat could open up, or Dale Coyne somehow has enough resources to pull together a third car. Or Andretti Autosports wants to run yet another car. Andretti taking over the whole grid. Well, to be fair, he did leave Andretti on the good terms. It was just that Hinch didn't want to be a B-tier player in a big team. He wanted to be the big fish mm. in a smaller pond, and that was understandable. That's um, sure. If we're going, if we're going with driver performance, Andretti Autosport has a driver they really need to get rid of. We know that's not happening, though, do we? Yeah, well, last names are important. Yeah, and to be fair, Veach wasn't particularly great this season either. And like for all the for, like, for all the talk about, you know, this is about getting the young guys in. They've not been that great the last couple of the years. Like, yeah, it's it's not okay. a general rule of thumb that the you know the younger drivers automatically better. Yeah, no, I'm saying like, I'm saying rookie the, the, is hard. Just ask Joseph Newgarden. Colton Herta is an anomaly. Yeah, Colton Herta was great. Ferrucci had a couple great results on ovals, and Rosenquist, who we know has enormous experience in other cars, was also good. You look at guys like Spencer Piggott and Zach Veach and Ed Jones, there's probably a bit more meh than there is great there. This, like, Let's not forget, this is an almighty gamble for, for McLaren at this point. Yeah, you've got, like, you've got two drivers, you know, regardless of... You know, results in junior in uh, the junior series, and regardless of Pato's couple of admittedly really impressive results in a Carlin, these are two mm-hmm. unproven drivers across a season in IndyCar. 
But just based a, on their track records, you gotta feel like they are they are like as much of a top shelf prospect as you get out of the road of Indy. Oh, absolutely. Askew well, has you, two champions well, in a row. Lost you can't two do champions. Much Askew mm-hmm. won titles in two out of his three years in the road to Indy, all at progressively higher levels. Patricia yeah, Ward won and the and Indy like, Lights in title the, in his first full season. Yeah, and in on and on the financial side of things, Askew has the cushion of a scholarship behind him. So he was going was to get gay. a drive. Yep. Yeah, he was guaranteed free races anyway, including the 500. So, yeah, like, totally. But, no, nah, big gamble for SPM. Oh, and, um, you know. One Graham Rahal has weighed in on the situation. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> like, okay, Rahal's quote is, quote, gut-wrenching, but you had a contract with him. When does a contract mean a contract? We see this in other major stick and ball sports, but it's maddening to see it in our world. A contract is firm, and sadly these days that doesn't mean much to a lot of people. And that's that's and he's right. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. Hinch until he until he finds another ride is contracted to this team. This wasn't like he was a free agent not being re-signed. You've moved him out of your car, but kept him on the books. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they've got <sighs> they've got two cars, and they have. Well, really, four drivers signed, if you count uh, one Robert Wickens, who Who will remain said, with the team as a driver coach. Yeah, and they've said yeah, because, will re- uh, he will be retained in terms of, you know, when so he So is it safe credit. to say that promise got bro- is, is it safe to say that promise has been broken, then? We don't know. Because, we- you know what, if you're going all in on the two reigning Indy, Indy Lights champions, how does Robert Wickens get back into that team? Because if, because if they... Right. Because if they... If they cut Wickens after all this as a means of clearing the decks, oh yeah, already, they look like they, assholes. They look, they look even worse. And especially, but who the, where's but who your the youth bench to bring him back? And again, that that punches a hole in their argument of going for youth when call a spade a spade. Wickens will be coming back from a life-altering injury. And he's kind of up there He'll in be years. Thirty plus by yeah. Him. Pick pick a hill to pick a hill to die on here. You can't pick both hills to die on. Yeah, assuming the like best case scenario, Wickens is back for twenty twenty one. He'd be thirty two years old. And again, coming back from enormous physical injury. And you've promised a thirty two year old a car, but you insist you're going all in with youth. Like. No, it has to be the it has it to be, has one to be the other. body issue. Yeah, it has to be one it or the to, other. It, you can't pick both hills to die on here. No, it's like, in other words, the, it's like they have the perfect alibi to move Hinchcliffe on, citing performance reasons, when we all know it was because of the body issue situation, the sponsors got pissed, um, and now you were able to, on top of that, snag the last two Indy Lights champions to make it look like... You're going all in with you to stop people asking hard questions about why one of their better drivers in their recent history got basically asked, basically got benched. Because it's not like you've let him go. You've kept yeah. him on the books, but you've taken him out of a seat. Yeah, it's, and all, it's all dirty from SPM. It's, yeah, like, it's a like, bad look. It's right out of the Jim Spanfeller book of bad management. <laughs> <laughs> and on the, on the conference call earlier today, uh, Sam Smith... He says it was a group decision and that, you know, their original intentions was to get either uh, Askew or Award alongside Hinchcliffe. And they didn't, they intentionally didn't think uh, Award was going to be available until it was far too late. 
Apparently, Arrow was willing to move heaven and earth to get Pato to the point of paying Red Bull to do so. It just so happened that on an international super license point level, as Red Bull found out, Pato's Indy Lights Championship was a paperweight. It everything just just everything about this just sounds shady. And like I said, I think I think SPM has done a very good job of pulling the wool over people's eyes. But the thing is. It's not going to work because Hinchcliffe is far too popular. I know a bunch of people that were watching IndyCar purely because of Hinch on Dancing with the Stars. He's he's their presence in Canada, is he not? I yeah, mean, the face of the- you, you can make the same argument about Elio Castroneves and his you know shift outside of Penske's IndyCar program to their IMSA program. Right, there's a bunch of people that are watching purely for Hinch. And even they can smell bullshit on this one. I've seen people argue with people about this. Like, oh, are you really a fan of IndyCar? Are you just, are you just a fan of a driver? Like, that matters. You're the watching. The point is, they're watching. Yeah. And again, <laughs> it's as all mentioned, the same, quite frankly. he's the face of Honda racing in North America, for better or, for better or worse. You can't just get rid he of brings... that and expect people to not ask questions. He is a He's a massive influence on the series. He's a great humanitarian. He does a ton of charity work. He is the face of Honda racing in Canada. He is massively popular. He has legitimate crossover appeal because of his Dancing with the Stars appearances and other reality TV show stunts, like stuff he's done before. Um, I know IndyCar will probably bat hard to get him a car somewhere because they know he's stupidly popular and his, and the, the story of his career alone is worth telling, even if NBC milked it half to death. But that's but he's a massive influence on this series and the series would be doing itself a disservice if he wasn't around on the grid for 2020. Yeah. Right. Maybe I, someone I, will find a way for that And I happen. think, really, the deal with McLaren pretty much ended it. Because, like, you have to remember, Arrow don't only have a deal with Smith-Peterson and IndyCar. Arrow now have a deal with also the McLaren Formula 1 team. Yeah, and that is oh, yeah. kind of where things, uh... Things with that engine supplier based in Japan. A little rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a tad. Moving on! RJ, tell us about the World Rally Championship. We haven't got a Sebastian on top. King, the streak is over. The Sebastian streak is over. Sebastian has fallen! Nine straight titles for Sebastian Loeb. Six straight titles for Sebastian Ogier. It all fell this weekend. At the Rally de Spagna, Toyota Gazoo racing driver Oitanak wins the championship with a second place finish, clinches his first driver's title, and Toyota's first in 25 years. How does Oitanek repay him? By signing with Hyundai for 2020! <laughs> of course. Which, of course, has put the driver market on notice, because uh, Sebastian Ogier might be moving to fill that Toyota vacancy. God help us all! To get one last run at a title, because 2020 will be his last season. Uh, yes. But the book on Tanek, I mean... Uh, there was some consternation about how he finished third in the championship that was voted higher in Auto Sports Top 50 than OJ or runner-up Noyville. Uh, this year, he put it all together. Uh, he's only finished outside the top eight once all season. He has five, he has uh, six wins already this season. It was a beat him down. 
And you consider how easy it is to just make one mistake and DNF a rally. The fact that he hasn't finished below eighth is very impressive. His only uh, quote-unquote retirement, because you can respawn in World Rally Championship now, that was in Turkey. Oh, God, I remember that. Yeah. Many many pieces of Toyota strewn across the land. Yeah, he has had nine podium finishes throughout the season. There's still one more round left in Australia. But again, he's going to uh, Hyundai next year, which means Terry Neuville, Hyundai's longtime lead driver, might be on the move. And so too might Sebastian Auger, who is seeking one last run at the title before he too hangs it up. It could be very, very interesting by the time we get to Monte Carlo next season. Fun times, indeed. Also, I'm glad that he's no longer just remembered as the man who fell in the, the lake at Mexico. Oh, God. <laughs> we don't talk about the that. The unsinkable one. Somebody call James back into the Discord server. We're talking supercars, but sadly, it's not for the nicest of reasons. Yeah, um, I'm, there's no easy way to say this. So I'm just gonna. Um, Scotty McLaughlin almost died. Yeah. Um, this was only the second major crash that rode off a car for the rest oh of the my Gulf Coast 600. Yeah, uh, um, the other was Chaz Master wrecking in in the first in the qualifying session for the flying through the air. He flew through the air into a concrete wall. It looks so drastic that Shane Van Gisbergen got out of his car that and was, stopped that was, to that check was, on Master. No, that was Scotty's. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was how bad McLaughlin yeah, was. Um, Mustard's was impact. so bad that it ripped the engine away from its mounting points and pushed it through the car. Jesus. Thus completely totaling the chassis and forcing him to withdraw for the weekend. Yes. Oh, Jesus. McLaughlin had a 43G hit that sent a shock absorber flying onto a nearby apartment balcony. The man, he, and, he and flipped. And Stadium Super Trucks was banned for being unsafe in Australia. Okay, I see how it is, Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the shock absorber went up into the air, came back down, landed, and busted through a table. Must have been a Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, this comes from the, uh, from the latest episode of the RSN 927 <clears throat> Balls and Bumpers podcast, where Scott McLaughlin basically talks about how he went to the hospital after his wreck, and he said, we just saw a bit of an anomaly on your brain. It's meant to be 50-50 parallel, what the brain looks like, but it looks like yours has moved in some ways, and there's a little bit of fluid or substance there, something like that. He almost suffered a brain hemorrhage. Yeah. (gasps) When I say he almost died, I'm not joking. He almost died. Fucking hell. And, yeah, that was the Bathurst. That was the car that he has crushed the field to dust with this year and is the Bathurst winner. There was damage and uh, there was kinks and ripples in the the chassis past the firewall. It was a huge hit. Yeah, I did see it. It was an enormous accident. And uh, as, yeah. as RJ mentioned, it was so bad that Shane Van Gisbergen actually got out of his car and ran to the aid of the safety crew his to help him get out. His main title rival from a rival manufacturer. Yeah. Um, just... Says a lot. Yeah, enormous crash. Of course, that rode off the McLaughlin car for the rest of the weekend. That goes without saying. And uh, I'm just happy he's okay because that could have been so much worse. Right. Yeah. That was a very near miss. Yeah, he is very lucky. He will race the following the weekend, the penultimate weekend in Sandown, 
glad to hear that he's going to be fit because let's face it all he really needs to do is just finish out the weekend at sandown and he is your supercars champion indeed uh fat god scotty's okay yeah. um now rj can you, do you want to tell us what your current discord username is uh-huh. it's no it's no reference to nick Foles. it's big dick nick as in nick cassidy <laughs> Finishing second and clinching the 2019 Super Formula Championship. Big Dick Nick did the thing. Yeah, you'll remember. You'll recall at this race last year, it came down to him and Naoki Yamamoto. They fought for the lead. It ended up going to Yamamoto in the end. This time out, it was Cassidy who finished ahead by three points. Uh, God, it was. Both drivers were in tears, obviously, for very different reasons. Cassidy overwhelmed with the emotion of finally winning his first Japanese Top Formula title after it so nearly eluded him last season. And then Yamamoto, of course, just devastated that he couldn't win his third title because he really wanted it, and especially at a track that he loved so much. Especially because Team Dandelion blew the strategy about as bad as Ferrari's worst. Because really, all they needed to do was match whatever Cassidy did, because they had track position and a point lead. Well, as we know in Super Formula, the harder compound tire is um, garbage. Yeah. And they tried to get them out of the way early, only to realize that by switching to the soft tires so early and having to fight through the field, that this, even the softs could not last the whole race. Cassidy did the opposite and was pretty much home free as soon as he uh, came out of the pits. The softs were so done on the Team Dandelion cars that they could not catch Cassidy, despite the, what, two-second a lap delta between the tire compounds? Yeah. It was yeah, not it Team was Dandelion's uh, finest finest moment. But they still did win the team's championship out of it because Nirei Fukuzumi came home in third and took his first podium finish of his career. That was good enough to lock up the team's championship over Tom's racing. Yeah, and uh, Alex Pelu started on pole. I believe he had an issue with a brake duct, and his race was yes, a disaster, basically. He, from- he got debris stuck in his ba- brake duct, and he went from leading the race comfortably in the first stage to falling all the way through the field. Yeah, all the way to, I believe, last? Last among all runners. Ugh, still great season out of him. That, oh, yeah. that that final tally does not reflect the season he had. Right. Pelu took three pole positions and won an absolutely uh, monsoon-drenched race at Fuji. Uh, he is a driver who is on the radar for the prospective Campos Racing entry in 2021. Uh, I'd say his talents warrant being in Formula 1. And hell, we mentioned him. We mentioned Yamamoto deserves a seat. Put Nick Cassidy in a seat. My God, he's got enough super license points. <laughs> he does now. Toyota, come back to F1. Yeah. Come back, please. We had seven different winners this season with Tomoki Nojiri taking the win for Team Mugen. As his Mugen teammate, Yuri Vips made a good impression, but didn't finish inside the points on his Super Formula debut, but still did enough to impress. Maybe he comes back for 2020. Who knows? Um, also, 
Formula One's uh, oh, no. automated algorithm put a copyright claim on the race that has since been taken down. We, we need to talk about something, RJ. We need to talk What's about that? a strategy so ascended that all of us were left speechless. Okay. Okay. So it rained earlier in the weekend, right, Dre? Uh, it didn't need? Yeah. But, uh, but it was dry for the start of the race. Um, as we were going through oh. the field... Uh, we realized all the drivers were starting on uh, soft or medium tires, except for one. Kamui Kobayashi started the race on wet tires. The strategy huh? was they do one lap on the wet tires because by the letter of the law, if you run the wet tire compound during the race, you are exempt from having to run both dry compound tires. They were and, running- and, it's, and it's also notable that there is a mandated... A pit window that opens at lap seven, but if you run wet tires, you're also exempt from the pit window. They are willing to gamble that one lap on wet tires on a dry track was not worse than driving seven laps on the medium tire. This is how bad the medium is in Super Formula. (laughs) Like... At this point, honestly, like I almost have to applaud the Galaxy Brain meme level force from his team. There aren't brains big enough for this. They don't <laughs> exist. I give full, Clearly. I give full credit to Sujio Matsuda and Naruki Doi for pulling this off, and I'm not just saying that because I got to spend time with KCMG and both people involved. Shameless Damn, plug. Oh dear, oh dear. King, finally. W Series, we've got a rule change. Oh, it's not a W Series rule change, unfortunately. Well, not specifically, but yeah, you know. It is an FIA rule change. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, recently they changed the the FIA Super License eligibility structure, Mm -hmm. meaning that any FIA... Any FIA series that wants to be eligible for any FIA single seater series that wants to be eligible for super license points, uh, whether they run an FIA rule set, uh, like say, you know, Formula Three Regional, or are an FIA sanctioned championship, like you know, uh, Formula Two, they must, uh, they must ban the reigning champion from the next season of the series to be eligible for super license points. Yeah. Now, this rule's already been in the books for Formula 2 for a number of years. The reigning champion cannot come back to defend their title to run the risk of drivers Mm -hmm. making Formula 2 their career. Uh, But this has an impact on the W Series because, while ideally that should not be the end game for these women that race there... This is a series that has provided a number of women who otherwise wouldn't have had opportunities to race at all a chance to come back into racing from the start. And some of them don't have ambitions of racing in Formula 1. Uh, if they end up winning the championship, then they really have no other place to go. Indeed. We, we've, we've, we've mentioned before about how this has a big problem, and that is the bottleneck effect. Like, because there is no guaranteed seat in the series you're aspiring to be above... Having a champion's rule can really put you in a pinch if you've got nowhere else to go, and there is far from a guarantee you'll get the next best thing. Um, if, you know, for example, if there's no... For example, let's just say, you know, Formula 2. Because Formula 2's had this, had this problem, had this, had this rule for a number of years now. 
last year was kind of freaky how we had three graduates like Norris, Albon and Russell. This year, you might get one. We're probably getting one with Nicholas Latifi, and he's probably going to be the only one. You know, and to be fair, we've had many a year where it's zero. Where no one coming out of F2 can get in. There's, if there's no guarantee of, of an upper seat that's coming Davide up... Davide um, has not been able to enter the chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. You get bottlenecked out of existence, and then then you got to end up taking a step back because you can't race in F two again. But you, there's no Formula One seat available for you. So it's either be a third driver and be on the bench for somebody, which nobody really wants to do that, mm. or you're boned. You got to end up finding something else to race. It's it doesn't reward progression. It just doesn't, which is exactly what it's meant to do. But it does the complete opposite of that. I don't like this rule. At all. Why is this still a thing? Uh, because because I, we want to punish drivers for being quote-unquote overcooked in junior championships. Shame on you for spending four to five years in Formula 2. Shame on you for spending five years in Formula 3, Felix Rosenquist. How dare you? Yeah. How dare it. you have no way up? Honestly. <laughs> Indeed. And once again... Hashtag playoffs. Oh, yes, hang on. Watch, <laughs> watch the top. We're going to get a live reaction. Watch the top video first for the reason and the second video okay. for the result. The quote says, Contact coming off the corner is what ultimately led to this spin out of Joey Logano. I'm playing the video now. Um, that That's a boxing. Yeah. Um, that is Hamlin squeezing in Logano. Right. Which, and then that causes Logano to spin yeah, out. Yeah, okay. yeah Logano got flat tires um, due to tire rubs. This led to a confrontation yeah. on pit road after the race was over. Like, also, like, so yeah, I'm watching the confrontation video now. Hamlin backed his finger. Logano goes, a sh- oh, hello. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, whoa. Oh, oh. whoa. Oh, Jesus. They threw Hamlin to the floor. <laughs> Was that one of Logano's crew it chiefs was. that flung Hamlin to the floor? It was. Yes, it and in was. fact, this this Holy crew member shit. has been banned. For a little while, at least. Wow. Jeez. Can I just say as well, Logano just giving Hamlin a, sh- like a pettiest shove on the shoulder and then walking away is such a bitch move. Like, <laughs> Bubba, I'm looking at you as well for your water cup throw. If you're going to do this, do it properly. Throw a fist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like pettiness in my fights. Yeah. In fairness, Denny Hamlin what? is always the guy who will claim that he will race you fairly yeah. and then just dump you into the wall. Oh, yeah. yeah don't get me wrong. I know Ham- Hamlin's a dick on the road a lot of the time. I'm not denying but, this, uh, but Jesus. Yeah, this is the one-year anniversary of his run with Chase Elliott. Remember, oh, God. Ch- Chase, I got pushed into you. Looks back, there's a two-second gap behind Hamlin to the next car. Also, I have to say, Hamlin's interview afterwards where he just goes, that's just short track racing, was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, that's about a four out of ten on the Fight Club scale. I don't like bitch moves. Yeah, should also mention, it is the end of the road in one series for our beloved 2009 F1 world champion. Jensen Button is retiring uh. from Super GT. Oh, no. Oh. His last race is this weekend at Motegi. That's also the last race of the season, and there's two titles on the line. 
Watch it. Endure the bad commentary. I highly recommend it. What else we got this weekend, y'all? We have the inaugural edition of the FIA Motorsports Games. All right, hybrid electric Formula 4 cars and eSports. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Drift Cup. Shoutouts. Are you guys on Coke? Shoutouts <laughs> to new world fastest gamer James Baldwin of Veloce Esports for being probably the number one talent in the field alongside Mikhail Hazal. Haven't they got enough talent on their esports department already? Jesus. Oh no, we're, we're, we're talking about the lineup at the Motorsports Games for the Digital Cup. Yeah. But- oh, I know, I know. Yeah. That's what I was referring to. Yeah, it's a good esports crowd. But as a Pro-Am Championship, it is a bit lacking in star power, apart from a noted good person at social media, Tom Coronel in the Touring Car Cup. <laughs> good person. <laughs> good person, in inverted commas. Ew. Oh dear. And we also got the USGP in America! We have MotoGP at uh, Sepang as well this weekend, because nothing of note has ever happened at Sepang. Especially not between two legends of the sport, no sir. Uh, I could take a pun on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Championship point as well for Alex Marquez, we'll see if he can bring it home. Yeah, you know, just kick that idea around. (laughs) Oof. And on that note, it's time to end. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan King, um, and Cam Buckley. Please, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Harrison101HD. At RJ O'Connell. At Ryan Eric King. At C Buckley 917. Um, our website, Motorsport101.com. And Patreon, you can back us financially. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Five bucks gets you early access to all our shows. Ten bucks gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server, where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you guys next week for the coronation of Lewis Hamilton and world title number six. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thank you for jinxing it, Dre. Probably. Sayonara. There's no way he's losing that title, y'all. No. Bye. Fuck Austin Dillon. Five out of ten, and that was being generous. I gave it a negative five out of ten. Yeah, I gave it a four. It was an eight out out of ten race with a three out of ten finish. You know what it was? It was like watching a porn video and then actually letting yourself go during the blowjob scene. No one ever does that. It was a, uh, it was a, I spent my afternoon at the zoo instead out of 10. (laughs) And there's your post-credit scene, everybody. And any bloke listening to this show knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh my god. So King, when are we going to make the Motorsport 101 logo in the style of the Pornhub logo? Oh, I, I guess I have to now after Ray's rating for the race. I'm putting that on my super formula livery. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta represent, guys. Oh, oh dear. I, I would like. Oh, jeez. Like, I would happily. I would happily do that for a free porn hub T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's M101 <Okay>. merch. <laughs>